Today's episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network, brought to you by the Zone. Hey, watch a fight at a bar, pay a ton of money on a cover charge. I don't know, that doesn't make a lot of sense. What about watching the fight at home, paying a ton of money for a pay-per-view? Eh, not a lot of sense either. What about illegal streaming the fight to avoid paying for a cover charge pay-per-view? Get weird viruses on your computer? No, just get the Zone. Get over 100 fight nights a year featuring big names like Canelo, Triple G, Daniel Jacobs, Anthony Joshua, and more. Joshua fighting this week. He's fighting the destroyer, Andy Ruiz Jr. at Madison Square Garden this weekend. Uh, check that out. Subscribe to The Zone right now. Go to DAZN.com. Also, we're brought to you by Heinz Mayonnaise. You may forget what happened three seasons ago on that show everybody's talking about. You'll never forget a delicious BLT made with unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise. Slather it onto a mouthwatering turkey club. Mix it into a luscious garlic aioli. Layer it onto a thick cheddar cheeseburger. Hours later, because of the unforgettable creaminess, you'll be telling everyone within earshot just how good it was. Try something new. Try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups, mayo chip, mayo Q, mayo must, and crunch. We're also brought to you by the world's greatest website, The Ringer. Dot com as well as the Ringer Podcast Network and all the awesome podcasts we have coming up. We have a giant, long NBA podcast with Ryan Rosillo. But first, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, we're taping this on Tuesday mid-afternoon, West Coast time. Ryan Rosillo is here, fresh off uh, a hot weekend in the Red LA hot. area. Only one playoff game all weekend for uh, for either sport, where we had the uh, the the game six Raptors versus the Bucks. The Raptors prevailed. All the all the Raptors fans then got mad that. They, we didn't have an emergency podcast ready for them on Saturday night or Memorial Day weekend, even though I had already been on my podcast that Thursday saying, hey, I'm not doing another podcast till Tuesday. So I'm sorry. Yet again, Toronto gets uh, gets the shaft. I thought we were going to start the first half hour or so just doing are the Celtics or is Boston a Kyrie away from a Boston slam? <laughs> How does Boston become the next Toronto? <laughs> yeah. With the bees looking impressive in game one, and I just start thinking of Kyrie and what he did to the yeah. Celtics team. Like we could be we could be that close to a Boston slam. So I'd like to discuss that. Well, so here's what we have on the docket. I want to talk about Kawhi. I want to talk about what the hell happened in Milwaukee. I want to do a, a finals preview in a couple of different ways. And then we got to talk about that just yet another crazy Lakers story. Neither of us really want to talk about the Lakers at this point, but our producers are telling us, look, <laughs> do it at the top of the hour. Just hit the Lakers. No, but it's just so weird. We have thoughts on it. And then we're going to do some mailbag. So let's start with Kawhi. I am passionate about this, as are you. There's now a Kawhi trade revisionist history thing where everybody was the biggest moron ever because they didn't get Kawhi a year ago last summer. And I've been watching it amused because this is what we do with with takes and we get reactionary and stuff. I still think it would have been insane for the Celtics to trade Tatum and the Kings pick for Kawhi. I think it would have been insane for the Sixers to trade all their assets for Kawhi when he had played nine games the year before and everybody thought he was going to an LA team a year later. So you're getting one year of a guy who's hurt and you just don't know. People are forgetting the percentages of that trade that either it's a huge success or it's a massive failure. The Raptors didn't care 
because they want to blow up their team. They took the risk. Why do people forget what the stakes were at the time when people were looking at Kawhi? Well, I could add to it. I think people forgot how good Kawhi was too. Like as he goes through this run, it's like, man, this guy's really good. You go, wait a minute, where where have you guys been? Yeah, like he's he's one of the few. You know, he keeps jumping from like three to five. I think for Toronto specifically, the re- the revisionist history thing that bothers me. It's like, well, it worked. Well, no, 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 no. You just said it. They had to. They were in that very rare group of teams that had to just do something different. Yes. And so for them to get off of DeRozan. They don't really give up a ton. They get the Danny Green piece back. They go, we're going to come back and look at this differently because guess what? We're not good. We're not good as a playoff team right now. It was another embarrassing loss to Cleveland. So for them taking the one-year risk with Kawhi, I thought it was the right move even before any of this You and I both really liked the trade for them when they made it. It was like, this is smart. It's a reset. They get off the DeRozan contract. They can't come back with DeRozan and Lowry again. This is a one-year move the chips in. 25 to 40% chance maybe you talk Kawhi into staying. And if it doesn't work out, you blow it up, you start over. And I wasn't really worried about the only nine games thing because just everything I had heard was that I think that had to do as much with Kawhi, you know, deciding like I am I am absolutely shutting this thing down. I just don't like when guys miss seasons. It makes me nervous. And the history of the league says that it's usually not a good sign when somebody misses a season. But we can both agree that it didn't look like he missed a beat whatsoever this year. Didn't. Right. He looked, so. I thought the first 20 games, he looked slow to me, but was still really effective because he's such a smart basketball player. And then there was, you could feel the athleticism come back as you went along and the load management thing worked. And look, think about his game six in that game. I'm like, oh no. Like he's going to be like, I don't know that I've ever seen a player play as well who seems to be impaired some way, like because he's not this explosive, even though he can do all those things, just his style where he kind of slows you to death sometimes. Like it's clear that he was hurting a bit. Then you look at the final numbers and what he does in the fourth quarter. You're like, okay, so we're good to go. So yeah, we're. Well, yeah, when somebody can do that when they're compromised, yeah, that's really crazy. So I look at this whole who screwed up last year. I, I would actually have the, if you're going to really say somebody screwed up, here was this rare chance to get somebody who had a chance to be a top three or four guy. You could have had him and and everybody just looked at each other. It would seem like the Lakers um, on paper were the team that should have really gone after him. But then everybody said Popovich, there's no way he was trading to the Lakers. This is the one thing he was definitely not doing. I don't feel like the Clippers had enough. The Celtics were not, I don't think, after coming out of uh, the playoffs last year and how good everybody felt about the nucleus and all the assets, I just don't think they were going to risk it on somebody who might leave in a year and who might be hurt. It was too risky for them. Ainge, even though he'll he'll do some stuff, right, because he's never afraid, you know, the way he's described is that Ainge, you know, doesn't have to worry about his job, right? But he wouldn't trade for Paul George when it was only a year. He did it for Kyrie, even though it was they only alleged, two. They, they allege that they would have. That the that they thought they had him draft night, and that's why a couple... And then all of a sudden, the deal got pulled. Oh, I always thought that the Jimmy one was the one that was like... One closer. of them, who knows? Uh, Regardless, I it, think... To, I, I just... I don't know what to do now with the one-year guys, okay? Because I think you, you grow up with it going, I don't care who the guy is. I can't... I just can't give you assets for this guy thinking that he's gone. But I don't know if the Paul George thing makes people change their minds. I don't know what this run means for Kawhi's decision. I'm with the camp that just, I feel like these guys have a lean. Like even though Kleiman comes out and talks about Durant, he's like, he hasn't made up his mind. Okay, well, maybe he hasn't made up his mind, but in his head, he must know 
pretty close to like which direction he's going. So I don't like are the Lakers if they didn't include Brandon Ingram, yeah, now it looks bad. But was Kawhi going to stay? I don't think San Antonio was trading him there. And I think for Boston, it clearly would have been. I think Tatum was off limits after last summer just because of how he looked. Um, Jalen Brown, something else. If you're the Celts and you don't know if Kawhi's staying and it's a one and done and you trade assets and he gets hurt again or you lose in round two and now he's gone. I think that's, I just think that's personally too risky. If if you're the actual GM making that call, it's, you don't want the the possible repercussions of it not working out outweigh the possible it might work out. I think Philly is the one that I look at and I was looking at last summer like, man, if they can figure out how to get Kawhi and keep Simmons and Embiid, that seems like the the dangerous one, right? Because then you have those three together, you make a run for a year, you have all these extra assets anyway. But even with them, like, you know, they're they're looking at the long haul and somebody being one and done is really intimidating. Toronto didn't care because they wanted out. They wanted out of the team they had. Yeah, that's not the same case for everybody else. Boston didn't want to necessarily change it. I mean, the Boston thing is so easy to look at now. But think about what they had going into the year. Like, okay, this is this is going to be great. It's great. And, and then it wasn't. Philly, I don't know if the rest of those assets would have been enough. Well, you know, faults had real trade value last year. So you have you have the faults. You have you got that Miami pick last summer. Yeah, faults still had trade value. Like they weren't trading him last summer. Remember, they were still trying to. They were still saying he was untradeable. He's going to come back. The other pieces. They had Sarge, Sarge still. They had Covington. Covington. I always felt like they they had the kind of the most to give if they wanted to do it. But so now on the flip side of this, I think it's one of the great trades. I really think it goes down now, regardless of how this works out, even if he leaves. What if Portland had trade CJ McCollum for him? Are you just making CJ mad? <laughs> CJ's just like, fuck these guys. You had to get them in another trade. Uh, I think it's one of the great trades though. They, they blow up this team that was never going to make the finals the way it was presently constituted. They get this Kawhi thing. They still have a puncher's chance of signing him. Who knows? I don't think he's going to resign. And they get this amazing year out of it. I can't think of a trade that's worked out better for a short-term Put your hands together, hope it's going to work out. This was all the best case scenario of the trade. Let's see. I mean, if we want to do this. Like Mikhail Parrish to me is still the probably the greatest trade ever where they turned the number one pick into two, just, you know, right. into an iconic big three. And Mikhail, just getting Mikhail alone, the guy they wanted anyway, that's that's still to me, I think, from a big picture. But there, I mean, there's been a lot of great trades. Barkley, Phoenix. But, that was one of those where it didn't seem fair when they made it. It was like, whoa. No, it was bad. It was like, but really? He wanted out. Yeah. But it immediately worked. I mean, he's rejuvenated. That that Phoenix team was pretty good. He I remember Detroit getting Detroit getting Rashid when he got traded to Atlanta for a couple of days. And then the Pistons were like, we'll take him. And everybody kind of looked at each other like, what? You're going to put Rashid on that team? Like, but this it worked. Is scary. Rashid totally, no, no. I'm saying yeah. as a basketball fan, oh, I was yeah. like, oh, no. Yeah, this I remember Boston getting ripped for that. Be like, why would you help facilitate this deal? And it's like, well, you know, whatever. They're like, we're not competing for uh, Moses like Malone, that. Houston, Philadelphia. Right. He, he that he was basically signing as a free agent, so I think they facilitated it. There's some great non trades. Like uh, there was there was almost uh, the Lakers almost traded James Worthy in the '80s, and they didn't. Like you go through you can go through all those, but for this one, just for what Toronto's objective was. And then how it unfolded is about as successful as you can do in a 12-month span. 
where it's like, hey, if we do this and he's, and he can stay healthy and now, and, and he gets back to where he was and maybe even goes up a level. And then we put him in our universe and he sees how excited the fans are and we keep winning, like this might work. And now Masai looks like a Jedi as usual. Think about this too. Think about how quickly this changed after game two. Yeah. Where it was, can Milwaukee beat Golden State? Like, are they going to have Durant back? Because that's the only way Golden State can beat Milwaukee. And look at Giannis and the, the coronation of this whole thing. They just lost four straight games. They were, Milwaukee was 8.5 point favorites in game five. So when, when you say this flipped fast, this flipped in 72 hours. Even game, game four, I thought Milwaukee was going to win game four. We watched that one together and they didn't look good. And both of us, we went on the pod after and we were like, that was a little concerning. Like, not really sure what's going on here. But I still thought they, at home, they were, it was going to click. They just couldn't figure it out. And I thought their coach, do you want to do this now? Yeah, I think it transitions all right. And then the, we can do the, the coach. Yeah, the, the, I don't know what Coach Bud was doing. Buck's Twitter is not happy with Coach Bud. Rough summer for Coach Bud ahead. The, the resting Giannis, like he was uh, the second line center on the Stanley Cup yeah, team we'll was bizarre. Yeah, the subs? Because then people on Twitter were actually trying to debate, like, is there some sort of science that he knows? I'm all for it. Like, let me know. Let me know what we're doing now. But... Um, he was getting, he, he was getting cute. I like that. the science of just playing my best guy as much as possible in a must win game. I don't know. Yeah. That's, I, I, don't know. I have some scientists in a lab working on that theory. I think it works. <laughs> Maybe play 45, 46 minutes. I well, thought he was going to play 48. One of the constants though, of, of this whole thing, like even when they were down to, Oh, I go, you know, I think Toronto's a good team. So I, I'm not, I'm not off of this yet. Yeah. This Milwaukee thing seems a little overwhelming, but all of it was new to me that I couldn't I couldn't really separate any of these teams. Like I just thought those top three teams were were better. Clearly the the Boston thing, I think you and I could see the problems that they had the whole time. But when I'm watching Milwaukee try to close one of these games, I think that's a product of, of this new thing where Kawhi, you already knew he was just gonna be the guy. Giannis is a different player, so because he can't just pull up. I think other guys, you could see Milwaukee being like, well, who's, what are we supposed to do here? And Brogdon would have moments where he would hit some big shots and was like, hey, I'm good. I'm good to go. Bledsoe wasn't going to be trusted. They tried the smaller lineup. They didn't seem to do much with Brooke Lopez unless he was like an outlet on a, on a busted up half-court play. That seemed, I noticed, especially in the fourth quarter, they actually exploited a couple of mismatches late. Like all of a sudden, Lopez had somebody switched on him and he actually took the guy down and scored in the low post a couple of times. That was, I thought, their biggest mistake in this series. That there were ways to get Fred Van Vliet on, you know, on Lopez and get somebody smaller on Giannis, try to post him up. I, I think, you know, Giannis is, the guy's going to win the MVP. He's still kind of a work in progress in a lot of ways. And um, I just never felt like he was the kind of shot maker that once you took away the middle and you put the guys in front of him, that team really relied on those other guys hitting shots. That was what made me nervous about them all year. They finally kind of broke me down and won me over by the time the playoffs rolled around. But they were just relying on all these dudes that I just didn't know if I trust in a playoff series. And then you look at Toronto. Danny Green was terrible. Ibaka was up and down. Kawhi was transcendent. Gasol had moments. But guys who have just been in a lot of playoff games, and I think there's something to that. We're just... I really do feel like playoff experience matters, especially when you're 
you know, you're down 15 in a game six. That team had a calmness to them that I thought really served them well. Yeah, the Gasol three, we hadn't yeah. taken a shot in forever. Abaka had a couple moments again, and he yeah. was huge in the last round. But I, I thought he was really up and down. But in that game, I thought he made some plays. And then, you know, the random fucking Fred Van Vliet. That's how you win a playoff series is you have the dude who's done nothing for three rounds. And all of a sudden he's, what was he? The last 14 two games, for 17 was, or something? It was insane. I yeah. mean, he didn't miss any shots. So. He's a heat check. That's when, what he was last year. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of what what this series is going to be. Like Giannis had to be at another level for him to get past the fact that everyone around him was pretty inconsistent. And then Kawhi was lucky enough to have, there's a couple of Baca games. And then, yeah, the Van Vliet thing, actually, I mean, that's really the moral of this whole story. Like, are you going to have a guard come in and not miss any threes for two games? Okay, done. Like, that'll and help. if Milwaukee, if, if Brogdon had done that for Milwaukee, they'd probably win the series. Yeah. So I don't feel like Milwaukee is far off. It just feels like, you know, well, let's, no, saying, let's have that conversation because it sounds like they're bringing everybody back. I kind of do feel like they're a little far off after what we just witnessed because I still think you need the, you saw it in those games. You need the dude who's like, I got this. Yeah. And that's not Middleton. It's not. It's like definitely Middleton, not Middleton. I'm not sure it's Giannis. So who is it? Because I'm I not just ready think to they're say in the that same. About Giannis. I'm not ready to start going. Hey, oh, I'm saying gonna... two, three years from now, maybe, but is. What's going to be drastically different next year? Well, that's the prop. So if you look at the the sheet and how everything plays out for these guys, you already know what's going to happen. They're going to bring everybody back because that's kind of their only option. Unless there's some trade that manifests itself that you know that we're not even thinking about or they don't even know about yet. But it's just whenever you look at teams and how they do this stuff, all right, we already did the Bledsoe number. We've got George Hill still on that awesome contract. He's at like 18. I thought you could buy that one out next year, no? Um, Is he back? I think he's back. Oh man! Unless, so you're paying 36 million for Bledsoe and Hill next year? Um, no, I, no, no, no. It's not fully guaranteed. Yeah, you're right. I think they right. can buy that one out. All right, but Bledsoe's in for like 17, 18. I didn't even think that contract was that bad when they did it, but then you see him go through the playoffs. Uh, but I, I, the reason they're going to bring everybody, it's it's the same thing as like if Golden State ends up losing Durant. It's like, well, you can't just replace him. You're not going to replace him with that money. So you can't say, hey, we don't think Middleton's really that guy. Let's find that. Okay, well, which, which really good number two is going to present himself for you guys? But see, th this is what worries me about this. This is the same situation the Cavs were in the last three to four years with LeBron, the first time, where they kind of locked themselves into this expensive roster because, well, we got to get somebody to play with them. And then it's like, well, Larry Hughes. And then it's like, well, we should trade for Jameson. And then Ben Wallace. Hey, well, Wallace well, the ben Wall well that yeah. didn't work. So what if we get Ben Wallace? Drew and Gooden. You drew good in they paying El Goskis, and then you're locking all these dudes. Like, well, LeBron likes these guys. These are his guys. Mo Williams. Oh yeah, we got to pay Mo Williams. And you just end up stuck with this team where you don't have the true number two guy. And I don't think, I think the one thing we learned from that series, I really like Chris Middleton. He kills the Celtics for some reason, but you can take him out of a series. You can, you can limit what he does. They still need like that ironically, Conley would have been like the perfect, the Bledsoe extension kind of kills it for them. But I, somebody like Conley, they needed in that series really badly. I don't know. I don't know what they're, they're going to look around. They're going to see what's available to them. And even with all these names, maybe this is what makes this thing crazy this summer. But realistically, Milwaukee will go, okay, what do we have to pay Middleton? All right. Well, that's what we have to pay him because he's better. He's better than trying to figure out a way to, to change this thing. I got a great email from a reader and from a listener in Iceland. Uh, 
if I don't pronounce your name correctly, d- please don't blame me, but it was Horror Unsteinson. I think that was how you pronounce it. That sounds right. Yeah. He was basically like, we don't talk enough about the age of superstars and titles. So his point was Larry Bird in 1981 and Tim Duncan in 1999 are the only players who won the championship as the best player on their team under the age of 27, unless they were playing with another superstar. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then he actually listed everybody and you just go through bird was 25 in 1981. He was the best guy on that team. But then you go through all the other ones and everybody is, is he's right. Everybody was 27, 28 years or older and, and Wade in 2006, he won when he was 24, but that team still had Shaq. Yeah. You know, that was the first one I was thinking of. Duncan won in 99, but he's still a David Robinson. Um, LeBron didn't win until he was 28. He had Wade with him. Durant didn't win until he was 29. Curry was 27. Shaq's first one was 28. Jordan didn't win until he was 28. Isaiah was 28. Magic was 28 when he was officially the best guy in the team. Moses was 28 in 1983, going down the line. Is that a coincidence or is that something more? That actually feels like that might be something that we should think about a little more, that people aren't really finished products as basketball players until they're 27, 28 anyway. So to expect someone like Giannis to win the title with no other guy when he's 25, maybe we, we, that was way more unrealistic than maybe I was giving it credit for. Now, there could be part of that. It's good. It's really good, first of all. But is it also because whenever that player who ends up getting to that neighborhood of NBA players, whenever they're young, their whole team probably isn't going to be that good because they're going to be a high draft pick on a bad team anyway. Right. So, um I mean, that's why Zion's at such an interesting spot if they can keep everybody. Because Zion could be the 1999 Duncan of that list where three years from now, because he's got Davis with him, you know, Davis will probably be the best guy in the team. But So yeah, uh, I think... I mean, do you regret liking Giannis too much? Like, I'm, I'm confused. Uh, no, I'm I don't a little regret thrown it. off the way you're talking about Giannis the last couple minutes. My fear... <laughs> I wasn't even trying to be funny. I don't know. I <laughs> My fear with this Bucks team was like, if this really gets to nut crunch time, who's the guy? Who's going to create shots for them? Who's going to make shots for them when they really need baskets? And from what I saw from Giannis, he didn't seem like that type of guy yet, but they had made it work all year. And this goes back to our regular season versus the playoffs thing. I think what they did is yet another team that the regular season is just better for how they do stuff. In the playoffs, when you see it over and over again, I thought their half-court offense, especially in game six, I couldn't believe they were winning by 15. So the shots they were getting were fucking awful. I mean, they had 25 bad possessions in that game. Toronto was getting good shots. Then when they stopped scoring and Toronto went up like seven, I'd be like, okay, this is finally happening now. Now, there's another part of this too where like if Giannis didn't just stop making free throws, which is another scary thing altogether because you, once you start thinking about it and you're in a playoff spot, so that means just he's he's. It mentally, felt a little Shaq early yeah. 2000s-ish, yeah. yeah but I mean, we've not, it's funny how many great players have gone through that because I think LeBron had his stretches with free throws. Remember? Yeah, remember he stopped taking the technical? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, some of these guys do have them, but he's definitely not lights out with it. But I don't know why they weren't posting him up more. Um. I just don't know what the experimentation, it it left me lacking. The Kawhi numbers on him defensively were ridiculous. They're out of control. Haverstar did a good job 
I love or that Goldsberry. Stuff. One of those guys was on Twitter with all the uh, the metrics of the possessions when Kawhi guards LeBron with their offensive rating was. And stuff. It was like he was just getting demolished. But I think Kawhi, as that series went on, was was a little compromised and couldn't guard him all the time like that. No, and even though the numbers weren't as favorable <clears throat> for Siakam, there were just a lot of possessions where I felt like Siakam challenged him and and made it you know at least something he had to think about because body wise he was able to move with him. And I'm not saying the same size as Giannis, but he was. He was close and some of that stuff, but the but the Kawhi numbers were off the charts, off the charts against him. So wait, so to put I, a bow on this, you think what needs to happen if Milwaukee's just bringing everybody back? How do they win the title next year? Uh, What's the move? You, the move what you're saying, and I don't know if I disagree with you either because I think this is what they're going to do, and maybe it's the right move. Is Giannis has to go up a level as a shot maker? It's the thing with Kawhi. It's interesting. His like he didn't have a lot of assists in the playoffs. He's a creator, but not really. He's kind of a self-creator. It's not like there's some guys like Durant hit this stage, especially in the Warriors, where he could create a shot, but he's also getting just awesome shots for everybody else. Kawhi's really was more like a one-man show in a lot of ways, like the old school 80s, 90s, you know, that Jordan era kind of I got this guy's get out of the way. And I don't know if Giannis will ever be that guy. I feel like he's more in that you know, he's going to hit every part of the box score, but he's not one of those, I'm going to shoot 46 shots in a deciding game seven against Philly type of guys. I'm just not ready to like reclassify him that way when it felt like that's exactly who he was and some of the stuff he was doing in these earlier playoff games. Well, what what do you think, what what does he add offensively? So you think His three shot point actually shot. started looking better. I mean, it, it, look, all I'm going to say is the obvious stuff. You're like, oh, develop more perimeter, you know, this kind of stuff. But his shot looked better. I mean, that's that's all the Simmons stuff that we do when people scream and yell and be like, at least Giannis was taking a couple. And now guess what? It looks comfortable. He's more comfortable with it. I feel like the low post is where he could has the most area to improve. If he can, if you get a little bit stronger where he can hold off basically anybody and that Dr. J movie has where he swoops in the middle with the right hand off the left block, if he, if he can just become like that, crossed with facing the basket but I don't my point is I don't think that's next year I think that's two three years from now but I don't it, think in 12 months he has those things but I think what we learned in this series is is if, if the guys outside aren't hitting those shots then there's no room for him to even navigate that stuff so I like there was there was one transition play it was in game five it was game no 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 it was a game I think it was game five and he had three people in front of him, three people in front of him. Yeah. And he made the layup. Right. And you, if you had done a freeze frame of where the play started with him with the ball in his hands and where the defense was aligned, you'd be like, no, no way. Like he passes it or it's a turnover. And he made this incredible layup. And even though we can see that and go, you need to do that all the time. I think the beauty of playing him a bunch of times in a row and I'm loving this regular season versus the playoffs thing because look at some of the metrics. Like Milwaukee dominated on all the metrics all year. We kept raving about Houston's metrics. When you looked at Boston stuff in the top six right. or seven, you'd, you'd look at paper and go, that, that's a really good team. They had a good season. And now we're learning that this stuff isn't translating as much now. So I don't, I don't know if it's just going to be Giannis learning another move or extending his shot, but you can see... Like there's a difference between the way Kawhi, you have to deal with Kawhi and the way you have to deal with Giannis because Kawhi with that approach, like he's, 
in a weird way that there's some similarities there in that you look at Kawhi and go, look at how he developed and, and what he became. And that's not even what you thought was to be close to what he ended up being. Yeah. And very similar, like these kind of pseudo aliens that decided to start playing basketball and just figured stuff out on the fly. But he was 12 know. when he started. <laughs> was he? Giannis. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think some guys just kind of instinctively have that mode, like since age eight, they were just scoring buckets, you know, like somebody like Durant, I look at that dude, like, I promise you that guy was always scoring. <laughs> He's six in some, you know, rec league game. Yeah, and he just yeah. had 38. <laughs> and that's the part Kawhi has figured out how to add that to his game where he is now, like when you watch him, you wouldn't know that he wasn't a scorer five years ago. Right, it seems right. like he's a scorer. Because I was, I was doing this on one of the other pods because I was going through, like I, with Kawhi's success and Giannis's success, I was starting to hear this whole like, well, you know, if GMs did their jobs better, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have these guys down there. And, and to me, that's, that's just so unfair. Like if you watch Kawhi in college, you didn't think it would be this. And if you watch the video, the video that I had of Giannis, I didn't know what to make of it. I was just like, what? What is this guy? And then by the way, he grew a bunch of inches and he got, and he put on 50 pounds and, and he clearly like gets it from that personality standpoint. But it was this argument somehow becoming that like maybe you don't need top draft picks on your rosters because of Kawhi's roster, because of Giannis and that whole team. And I'm, Curry. Like, this, I'm like, this is a fluke. It's just a fluke. And the analogy I use is like, if you told your dad after a semester of college, you'd be like, hey, Steve Jobs, ever heard of him? He dropped out. I'm out. You know, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to college. And what we just saw in the Eastern Conference Finals is a rarity, and it's not by design. It's two superstars that are picked in the middle of the first round because of their oddity going into the pros and the rest of the rosters around them. So I don't know. I'm going to tell you one more oddity, but hold on. We're uh, going to take a quick break. Let's take a break to talk about Home Depot. You already trust Home Depot for studs, sheetrock, electrical, everything to build your house. Now, make that house your home by shopping thousands of decor pieces that suit your taste. From sofas to area rugs to that fall floral you've been admiring, the Home Depot has all the pieces you need to create your dream space from start to finish. And the best part, you get free and flexible delivery, plus no hassle returns on everyday essentials and more. Find exactly what you're looking for at homedepot.com slash decor. Your perfect home is waiting for you. It's just a click away for a limited time. Save even more on the styles you love. Use code BSHOMEDEPOT at checkout. HomeDepot.com slash decor. Code BSHOMEDEPOT at checkout. Now there's more kinds of doing at the Home Depot. Valid on select items only. Free delivery on select items. $45 or more. Visit HomeDepot.com for more information. So here's the other thing about this. I think Philly should have probably been in the finals. The NBA finals. Yeah. I think they had the most talent in the East. And I don't know. I, I always use the computer simulation thing. Like just, all right, if we played this 20 times, what would happen? I think Philly makes the finals in at least six or seven of those, you know? And then you go back and you think like all the weird shit that happened with Embiid in round two and like just really fluky stuff that knocked him out of a couple games that I don't, think was typical and how hard it was for Toronto to score on them in that last game. And it was basically like Kawhi and they get this random Serge Ibaka makes some shots, but Kawhi takes 40 plus shots. And I'm just not sure Toronto should have won. And if I was a Sixers fan watching this series, I would have been losing my mind. Whereas like, wow, we had so much talent. 
we had all of these chances to add to our bench and turn faults into something and the Tobias Harris trade, like what were the other directions we could have gone? And this was the team we ended up with and we still almost beat them. And we, we lost to a shot that hit the rim four times and went in. Like I would just be going nuts. It's like, how do we not beat this team? As much as it would bum me out and you're right. I would also think, okay, chances quiet comes back. Feels like less than 50, 50. True. We're in the driver's seat. Milwaukee's probably bringing the same group back unless again, some trade manifests itself out of nowhere where it's some other stud who wants to go to Milwaukee and just play with Giannis. And like, that's the only way it's the only lever. You know what I mean? Like I got to, somebody's going to have to tell me this a little more plugged in how that's all going to play out. So yeah, if you're Philly and Boston's a mess, you Boston's should feel a mess, good. and Boston looks like they might have missed their window. Like, hey, I actually think if you if you gave me the percentages of what percent do I think a rebuild is possible versus what percent do I think they go all in to try to win the title next year? I think a rebuild is actually a little more possible. Not a rebuild, but more like a ah, eh, fuck it, we took our swing. Let's we have these young guys You're talking about Boston. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna get cap space in a year. Let's try. It. I actually think that's a little more realistic than them just saying, ah, uh, "Here's everything for Davis, right. and we hope he stays." Um, Philly, I think, is more positioned to to win the East next year if they can figure out their weird team. Yeah, I, th- I think a lot of that's you know Brett coming back, which surprised everybody. That, that, um, I mean, that might help the other teams. <laughs> It <laughs> uh, might have a lot to do with the extension that he was given before yeah. this group brought him in, but because yeah, this group that bought a team, they're all billionaires. They bought a team for like two eighty. That's worth two billion. Definitely need to cut costs on the extension. <laughs> say, save save three million bucks. Bring the coach back. I would love to hear some of these off the record guys try to pretend that it was anything that like was their vision. Because if you made that kind of investment in something and turned around that quickly, like you couldn't help but just pat yourself on the back the whole time when really it was ESPN giving you a huge NBA rights deal, TV rights deal. Well, it was a f- it was just a complete fluke, the timing of it. When the team became available and what was happening in the league at the time and the way the attendance, things were crumbling, but nobody realized that the streaming money was coming. And it really did seem like they, they had eight teams for sale that season. And it, and people really were scared of buying them, you know. That sound. I mean, that just sounds wasn't so, that long ago. No, it wasn't that beginning long of the ago. decade. They had a huge lockout coming. Right. They knew that was happening. It was just hard, and those guys really smartly just stepped in with a plan. It was good. Unfortunately, just, their plan didn't work to beat the Bucks this year. I just never know though if it's if it's like the real estate agent who's bragging about how much he's killing it in two thousand seven. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Did six new houses this week. <laughs> two to the same She's girl. Crushing it, man. Yeah, <laughs> she bought two condos. I think Masai so, Masai to me should be able to brag. He wouldn't brag because he's a good guy. He's not a bragger. But that's what an unbelievable trade. How he played that. Um, how he didn't give up on Lowry and Ibaka because they could have tried to get off either of those contracts, and but he was like. I'm going to try this. I'm going to see if it works. He, they saw enough there in the seat. They also got rid of Dwayne Casey, which, you know. Coach the, of the year. Coach of the year. And a lot of people got really pissy about that too. But he felt like my team has a ceiling. It's too low. And I need a better coach. I need to get a little more creative offensively. And we need a superstar because I just got my ass kicked by a superstar for multiple years in a row. Right. And, and my two guys. Here's I my chance. Count on. Maybe we get to keep them. Really smart. Good job by him. But you're right. If I'm Philly, I feel really good. 
and I know it bothered, but I thought those teams were close and it was all new. So we didn't really know how it was going to play. I mean, this is only really the second year and kind of a half a year with that group in Philly. So it's basically a, a half a year group. Extended ringer family member, Ben Dietrich, who wrote the uh, incredible Colangelo story has been in our circles for uh, since the Grandland days. He's come on our pods. He's one of my favorite Twitter feeds. He was unhinged during this Raptor series about that the Sixers, they, that they it, like really upset about stuff like even they didn't get Rodney Magruder in the last week. <laughs> and then we could only play five guys in a game seven, like really like crazy about how badly they fucked up the bench. And I don't think he's wrong. I think it's almost inconceivable that with all the assets they had, they ended up with a five man team in the, in the, in a game seven. They could only play five guys. It's inconceivable. Uh, well, and then they the JJ, barely, JJ, barely lose. JJ didn't have a great run. But at least they you could play him in a... They gave Right, I'm just trying to think of Throwing Shamit? Could Shamit have given them 12 minutes in a game seven? So you're saying Landry Shamit's the difference between... No, but just anybody. Like, they got Boban, and, they, and they're telling us, like, well, you don't be surprised. Like, yeah, you're not... If, when it be, when it's a playoff game and you actually need to figure out how to win a game in the road or wherever, like you're not playing Boban. What about Mike Scott's big three? Mike Scott, who's been on 40 teams. Ennis was all right. Was he? Yeah. I think five guys is an exaggeration. Well, that's how many many they had in game seven. I know that's how many they play with at a time, but I'm just like, I think, I think. I that, need seven in a game seven. I need, I at least need like a Fred Van Vliet type yeah, and they that couldn't was their, even get they that. Shamit, right? Shamit was their their Van Vliet. How about Faults? That was the best they could do for Faults was Jonathan Simmons in a 2022 By the way, number remember one. Remember Simmons when he used to actually score? Right. It's always a bad sign to me. It's like look around at the league, and if the Rockets are mad that Dan, Daniel House got away, and they're t- telling reporters like we really fucked this up, that guy's good, and then nobody signs him, and if the Spurs are going. Yeah, you should take Jonathan Simmons. Good luck to him. He was a great spur. That's my Yaka Pertle theory. That's if a bad go, sign hey, too. We throw in Yaka Pertle, you have to say no. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're like, why? Wait a minute. What? They like Pertle? What about Pertle? Wow. What's Bring going up his on video Pirtle? again. I would say the Gasol trade was a success too. Another guy who's just been in a lot of big games, who's played in a lot of big okay, international you know what's games. What's funny is think about how we do this though. He, he was weeks unplayable. Ago, we were- you, after game two, every TV shows, you can't play him. You got to go with Ibaka. They miss Valanciunas. Valanciunas should be able to run with I Brooke think Lopez. I said that. <laughs> I think I made the movie record to be saying that. So- I'm just saying now where we sit, it's like, you know what? It's nice to have Marcus All in a game six when you're down 10. And he's just been in a lot of big uh, games. And after game two, I didn't hear one person say it. They were, I was, I'd heard him described as unplayable by m- multiple people. Well, here's the other thing with Milwaukee that nobody's mentioned. Or maybe Bill mentioned, I just haven't heard. Like, are we sure Lopez goes back? How are they going to be able to get him back for that number? I don't number? see how they pay him. If they've paid Middleton, He's got know. a huge deal for him this year. Now he might be somebody that gets like $60 million for three years or something. Yeah, he's, I don't know why, why he's he He's a big guy wouldn't. who's been in big games, who can shoot threes, and who can create stuff. He's a great teammate. Yep. And we just got a six-week resume of him in the playoffs. I honestly can't think of... I wish I could just remember where I was at where why was it that oh one of the, I mean we can bring it up to the no, Lakers because the Lakers, the Lakers they, they just botched that asset right but no one else no one else was going hey Brooke Lopez for three and a half million bucks we should probably do that right 
Do we want to do that? I, I don't understand. I just thought he would have been a two-year deal. I. It's funny. This happens all the time. These guys end up on the wrong team and their stock drops. And they're on these teams that are just, you know, for whatever reason, they put the team poorly together. They're poorly coached, whatever. In that case, they just put together a weird team. And nobody looks at it and goes, we should try to steal somebody who's in the wrong situation. Those are always the guys that That would be a great steals. thing to start tracking is a guy that- All right, so like let's a- do that right now. Let's ad lib it. So the five worst situations last year. I'm looking this Lakers. Up. I would say Phoenix. So a guy I like on Phoenix who is a little expensive, but I think TJ Warren on the right team would be good. You put him in a game, I think that guy can score in a playoff series. I'm not going to You can probably get him for, for nothing. Right. Right. I always love when Phoenix is ever like whenever they're trying to like there's a trade that's being to be like and they would they would move TJ Warren You're like no way, uh, Aaron Gordon. That team was winning though. I think I don't know. I, I all right. So you put him in a playoff series. You might not get any points. He might be scoreless. He's you basically yeah. have Ben Simmons right. again, right? Or is he like budget Duran if he played with the Golden State Warriors? Well, here's a guy. I'm kidding. Budget Duran. <laughs> Here's a guy, Kevin Love. Well, his stock incredibly be, available. Right. Yeah, and the contract extension didn't make a ton of sense. It felt a little bit like whenever a team does this, yeah, we know he left, but screw you, we're gonna give Kevin Love a hundred million bucks, and everybody here's on the same page. You're like, oh, I actually defended it last year because I no for this reason. I just think we forget how few good basketball players there are. I think we made a list on this pod last year, me and House, and he was like the 34th best player. And we're like, all right, there's 30 teams. You have $110 million to spend. Like, what are you going to spend it on? Why wouldn't you spend it on the 35th best player in the league? You know? Well, think about how bad his, his like, uh, however low his stock is right now, except for the extension, probably scare some teams off, but that's a good, that's a good one. I think that's exactly what the exercise is, except for the fact that Brooke Lopez, Tristan Thompson. No, thanks. No, no. I think he's tougher to play in today's game. And, uh, been in multiple playoff series. I agree with you. I just wanted to throw him out. Uh, I don't, I I ended up liking him less and less. Uh, and he was weird because he's one of these rare examples of a big that could play in a small game. And then, it's, I don't know. Then he kind of became unplayable in small games. Weird. Right. I don't know. I don't, I know that may not make any sense, but that's, I mean, if you look at the Warriors thing, the Warriors couldn't box him out in 16. Couldn't do anything with him. Tristan killed him. And then he couldn't stay on the floor in the rematches. Here's a guy like Rashawn Holmes. Love Rashawn Holmes. I'm serious. By the way, why did Philly trade Rashawn Holmes? I, have you ever seen him play live? I have. Live? Live. <laughs> He's... You mean at like the YMCA? No, it was uh, the draft camp. He was, he has an energy about him. I, I, I can't believe you and I both love big man energy, guys. Big, I mean, Stromal Swift, I'm still holding out hope for. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, but I mean, I think Brooke Lopez was somebody like, and I just knew from when the Celtics had the Nets lottery pick that year and he was just killing that pick. My dad and I would text about fucking Brooke Lopez. Like, no idea this guy was this good. And I understand how you just become one year, 3.5 million, two years later. It's crazy. 
So anyway, I think he's going to get paid. And and if they lose him, there's a chance we don't like next year's Bucks team as much as we like this year's team. And now you now you're in the Giannis time clock of. Well, you know, he's never actually fully said he's coming back, and now we're now we're doing it again. Woj has always um, brought that back when I was still doing the radio shows. Uh, he would he would say that's that's the one. So I don't want to turn this into some aggregate thing here, but oh, aggregator alert! Right, Kyle, still, we need a sound effect for that. I'm I'll still, track one down. Aggregator yeah. alert! Because I have, have something the, for you. Oh, you on do? This. Okay. That he would he would always be like that's the next and it wasn't from a Giannis thing it wasn't from a Milwaukee thing but that'll be the next one that the, the Sharks start circling and 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 figuring that whole out uh, I, I don't know I mean to me that's it was always odd to me I found it very specific is my point I found it very specific that it kept coming up whenever he would stop by and we'd start talking about like bigger picture stuff this was a specific nugget somebody told me like a year ago. This is before the Giannis MVP season was in full blossom. They should have given him, they should have given him more money, was what this person told me. That by giving him a really good contract, but not the we fucking believe in you, you're a franchise guy, how how high can we go? And they didn't, that he kind of filed that away. How far off was it from the max money though? I they gave him twenty five a year for four years. It's like we really like you. Yeah, but can we shave? It's kind a, of it's the old shave a mill. It was like the Minnesota Kevin Love thing, right? It's like the Minnesota Kevin Love thing, which was a real thing. And the moment they did that, he was mentally out. Now Giannis is not mentally out, but it's just like if you're really if that's your guy, just pay him. And so I thought that was interesting. I had filed that away from a year ago. Now the fucking aggregators are going to go nuts. But <laughs> I just want to point out they didn't give him the max, so they could have. It's like they left it open for somebody else, which I don't really fully understand. Yeah, I don't I don't really have much else to offer on that one. I don't, other okay. than, you know. Well, I think the team is gonna vary but but it just it changes so quick. Okay. That? It changes so quick. Giannis, it's about to become his league. I mean, I can't I, I just keep bringing it up because it's worth remembering as you're watching these playoffs, especially when it's newer versions of these teams. Giannis, it's about to be his league. Nope. Hey, Miritich, what a great, big, oh, we can't play. Man, I was wrong on right. that one. I mean, all of this what shit changed with so that? fast. I think he kind of started getting killed defensively. I think people start finding you. You know, you start playing more and more. I feel like he lost his confidence. But that, like, that why? Could, yeah, how that, do you not kill Van Vliet defensively? I don't know. They let Van Vliet get away with all sorts of... You're playing Lowry and Van Vliet together. And it's like, that's... They're just dying to get posted up, basically, by anybody. I, don't, I didn't, just didn't like the experimentation. There's anybody on Charlotte you like? Yeah, Bridges, because he said he played like shit this year. You love that. I loved it. He was like, I don't want to be on an awards team. Don't reward me. No, Miles Bridges, like, I didn't get snubbed. I played like ass all year long. <laughs> That's what he said. And he immediately became my favorite player. Because well, it was, first of all, he he didn't play well. Yeah. And then it's like, so wait a minute, guys are just hitting him up in his mentions saying I got snubbed. And so many other players would be like, oh, SMH, I'll show these guys next year. Never forget. And like when a guy does that who doesn't play well, I, it drives me mental. Like, wait a minute, you're not going to be any good because you're delusional enough to think you actually played well when you didn't. And now you're like, yeah, I did get snubbed and I'm going to use, I'm going to file. Hey, file it away before you have the bad season. 
Right. This dude, instead of taking the bait, is like, nah, I played like ass. Yeah, stop. Everybody stop. Yeah. I don't, don't hear it. Don't say I got snubbed because I didn't deserve it. And I mean, look, was it going to be out Herder? No. Herder, you know somebody gave him a first team. Herder's your guy. Somebody gave you? him. Everybody thinks it's me. <laughs> Did you have a vote? No. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how many times I say I don't have a vote. No one believes me. No one believes me. Zach really, Lowe every year will be like, who are you? What are you doing with defensive player of the year? I'm like, Zach, I don't have a vote. So Zach is like shameless. He makes everybody feel like they're the one person he's confiding in about what's on your ballot. What are you going to do for MVP? <laughs> but he's just copy pasting 27 texts. I always thought I was Zach's guy for this stuff. And then you come to find out he's like a serial cheater with the NBA. I, uh, what Dwayne Wade got a, got a second team vote. Yeah. Just take that guy's vote now. And then somebody somebody else, voted for Dwayne Wade for the second team se- NBA second team with the guards we had to choose with from lots this of year. money at stake this year for yeah, different dudes right Kemba Walker Beal I actually looked at all the voting to make sure nobody got fucked by a vote or something and actually was no there, there was like, no like hairline bear oh if one more thing had gone that so how do you feel then as a vote because I know how serious you take it I think we did this segment like seven times this year so when, I did it last last week and I really regret. I, I wish I had voted for Beal the more I thought about it after the thing. Because that became your thing as we kept doing it. You're like, if you're not in the playoffs, you're not in the playoffs, which you can't consistently say will always be your defining no, you know, criteria. Because there are going to be other years where, I mean, there might be just a guy who's had an absurd year is efficient. We know that his Here's team the thing. I didn't want to vote for LeBron and I needed to justify it with some sort of reason. I, I'll admit it. Yeah. The reason I didn't want to vote for LeBron is everything that was in that ESPN story that came out today. Because I knew all that stuff. And I think I I just think he had a really damaging effect on that team this season, and I wasn't going to vote for him because his fucking true shooting percentage was good. That was like, kind of my Kyrie that. thing. Like when I left him off the first time around, and I yeah. go, people in Boston were pretty upset, and I, I put just him go look. Team. I go, I watched it all season long, and you know what? He ended up being second team. I get it. I mean, his numbers were sick. His numbers were sick. I think sick, we've but- we've passed some sort of invisible line with the stat stuff, and I don't know if we're ever coming back. And I am somebody that I was going to the Sloan Conference last decade when it was at MIT. I love this stuff. I read all of it. I try to incorporate it in the way I think about basketball. They can't be your go-to for for all of your arguments. They just can't. You can't tell me Kyrie was one of the 10 best players in the league last year with the effect that he had on the team the whole way. You can't. Yeah, that's why I get nervous sometimes It just really bothers me. When you go back and you check stuff, and if they're games that you're not really familiar with, like there are guys that have like 20 and 10 in a game that sucked in the game, you know, like it, it does exist. Right. And I think, well, that's, that, I mean, how many players over the years are just these guys that the empty to Joe Barry Carroll, when I was growing up in the eighties, like 24 and 10, the guy was a loser. He couldn't win. I don't know that I've ever seen a collection of players control the basketball the way we have some guys. And that was always my point with like Russ and Harden, certainly. And even Isaiah's year with the Celtics where you just, you had entire seasons where it was one guy initiating everything they were doing. So um, I just feel like wins and performance still has to matter with this stuff. And if you're putting up good stats on a team that's as relatively talented as everybody else, and that team is not doing well, I have to blame the best guy. I'm sorry. So the clay thing turned into, and this is really predictable too, because once it's like clay and then it's like, wait a minute, clay's one of the 15 best players. You're like, okay, but clay didn't play well at the beginning of the year. And that's clay did what, not have a good regular season. That's what cost him 
not being on this. It's what cost him $60 million. And then because, let's face it, more people are driving around less impressed with us <laughs> than they are. And you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And the, in the family tree of this whole world that we talk about, like we're, we're the most disliked because we're considered, and maybe that's right, the least impressive of anyone in this whole group. And it's like, so why do you guys have that vote? And I just, I don't know what the solution to it would be knowing that you guys are bummed, but that clay thing got turned into something where it was like the media's fault. I was like, look at his first two months of the, of the season. Like I like clay as much as anybody, but it was kind of hard to put him on. Also, the when you're when you're basically not involved offensively at all, and you're just Devas Bertans, whatever his name is, like that's how they're using you offensively. Now we've seen the playoffs. You forget like what a skilled offensive basketball player he is, and that it's actually fun when he has the ball in his hands. But they just didn't use him that way. He had those games where he would he would make ten shots, but without dribbling and stuff like that. I'm sorry, like he he's a casualty of just how talented that team was. Yeah. You can't say he was one of the best six guards. I think Beal, if you're just going performance only, Beal was one of the six best guards. But he played for a 32 win team. Like, are we rewarding that? Now the counter would be like, how is that his fault? John Wall got hurt. That team sucked. It was a disaster. But it's like, all right. But if we're rewarding 32 and 20 guys, then now is Devin Booker in the conversation on the 19 and 63 Suns because he put up stats. I don't know. That's why I like Mitchell because I felt like he had this dramatic impact on Utah. And Utah, I thought, was one of the best five teams in the second half of the year. Like, that matters to me. I wish I had voted for Bill if I had to do it over again. Instead I, of? I, instead of Mitchell. Instead of Mitchell. And you never voted Kemba, right? No, I was, I was out on Kemba. If I was, like, I, I just thought Bill had the advantage over Kemba for that. I Who would you rather have, though, Clay or Beal? If you're just going to have him. In- <sighs> I think if you put Beal on the Warriors, he wouldn't have his stats wouldn't have been any different than Clay's, and they probably would have been a little bit worse defensively. I really like Bradley Beal. I actually wanted to bring him up to you because I can't tell if this is just people throwing shit out there or if he's actually available. But I, I'm like a. I think he's one of the best. We always talk about who's the best five, best seven. I really do think he's one of the best fifteen guys in the league. And if he was attainable for one of these playoff teams. That's the one, that's the name that gets my attention. I just don't know what the Wizards are going to do there because. Because I heard feels- Colin and Buker today talking about, Colin was like, what about number four, Kuzma and Lonzo for Beal? I don't, that's a lot. I also don't know if I'm the Wizards, what, now what am I trying to do? Yeah, that's the problem is you probably are more likely to just want to pay Beal everything you need to pay him. So we feel like, okay, well, this whole thing screwed up. The John Wall contract is now the worst contract in the NBA. But instead of rebuilding around the bad contract, let's just keep one of the better players in the league and just pay him. You just saw in the playoffs, you need Bradley Beal if you're actually going to be a team that's trying to win the title. You need a guy like him on your team. So why would you trade that guy? Yeah, I don't, I don't think it makes sense for a team that actually is not afraid to spend money either. What if the Celts came to him and said, Tatum, 14, 20, and 22 for Beal? We'll do this right now. I would say no if I'm the Wizards. Because you're so down on Tatum? I just like Beal. I, I want to be blown away if I'm trading Beal. I was really impressed with him. What about Kevin him. Love? <laughs> Not Kevin Love. <laughs> I was really impressed with him in the Wizards-Celtics series two years ago. I, I liked, thought he had really good moments. I liked the competitiveness. And this is something... I think we don't do enough when we talk about these guys. I try to do it, but 
I judge these guys by the playoffs. I don't care about the regular season. Regular season's great, but I really want to, like, I thought we learned a lot about Jamal Murray, mostly good in the playoffs, you know? I, I feel better about him than I did because he was in these big-ass games. Yeah, going to the playoffs next year, I'm going to think about Jamal Murray differently. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas, you know, game two against San Antonio, I'm like, what is going on? This was the Draymond the year before they had their first title season. He was in these playoff games, you know, playing at a level higher than I thought he was going to play. And I, I think there's something to that. That's why I kind of, you know, I, I look at this Celtics team and I just don't, not sure they have enough of those guys yet. Certainly not the guy, if Kyrie leaves, who's the guy who's going to be, I'm going to create a shot at crunch time guy. They don't have it. Scary Terry. Don't worry about it. We got Philly, this. Butler is weirdly huge for them now. Like the re-signing of him. Because if they don't have that now, it's now you're putting a huge thing on Ben Simmons' plate. But it, my point is with Beal, I, if they're going to cash in that chip and they can't put Wall's contract in the trade, which I don't think they can, I need to get a mother load back for that dude because I, I think he's a special player. Yeah, you need to be looking at him as your franchise guy because he is, and he's better than Wall now anyway. But So if I'm the Lakers and I could get Beal, if I don't feel like I can sign a free agent, like wh- how much would you trade for that? What? What's he worth? I would give him all the young guys now. I mean, would you? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, but I would have to know that, all right, I'm signing Jimmy Butler and then I can trade for Beal. And now we have three established guys and he's not going to want to pick. Like, I don't know that I want to trade you the fourth pick. What about, what if I pick swapped you and I get the Wizards? I think they have like the ninth pick back. And I'm giving you all the other guys. But I really like that Garland kid. I know you do. So, but I'm saying, you pick swap, you get that ninth pick back, and now I have another trade to make with that pick. If I'm really trying to build a contender around LeBron this year. I'd have to know what the other, like, they, you're right. They may at the core of it just say, we don't want to do it. So, you know, whatever. Like, he's happy. He's happy to take the extension. We're fine. But if you're the Lakers and you knew you were getting something else in free agency... And you could trade for somebody like Beal. Like, I always thought Beal made a lot of sense, actually, because I think he's the perfect guy who could play off LeBron. I think Beal was the adult in the room with the Wizards, where he was the guy that, like, hey, I'm here to, you know, kick ass. He's also games. In- incredibly young. He's so young. He's Joel Embiid's age. How about that? He every He's another one. He's like the Anthony Davis. So every time I look up at the Anthony Davis thing, I'm like, Anthony Davis is still 19? Jesus. <laughs> right. How is that possible? He hasn't gone uh, through puberty yet? But I, I don't know that I, you know what I mean? I, I feel like, I feel like I'd want to be doing that deal in conjunction with something else. Be like, okay, this is what our team is. We've stripped it of these young guys, but I, I'd like to not have to give up that pick. But that's also acting as if Washington wants to trade him. And if Beal's happy and Washington's like, no, we need you because of Wall, then all this is probably moot. The problem is they got fucked by the lottery. If you're just talking about like who took the biggest hit in that lottery, it's probably the Wizards because they stunk. They didn't really get rewarded with as good of a lottery pick because Beal actually gave them probably 10 extra wins. But yeah. then out of all the teams in their general vicinity, they were the only one that didn't move up. Like New Orleans moved up and the Lakers moved up, but they didn't. So um, I would trade Beal if I could also get rid of Wall's contract and reboot. Now, the Lakers actually, ironically, could potentially do that. Well, that was something I brought up to you, I think, around the deadline. It'd be like, would you want to get off wall so bad that you're including Beal? 
And I've, no one's brought it up. I know Joe Hass would. Joe Hass brings it up to me every time I talk to him. He's like, I'm not trading Beal. If, if Wall isn't in the trade, fuck off. I'm hanging up. Imagine if somebody said, hey, we still think John Wall's good. It's just the Achilles. We'll be fine. Is he a clutch client? He is, right? Yeah, I think he is, right? Well, the other thing, so I, I thought I was taking crazy pills because I was the only one who thinks this is a possibility. Then Buker and Colin were talking about it, and Buker also thinks it's a possibility. Is Chris Paul of the Lakers. Yeah, you were on that last week. Yeah, but I, I thought I was like, this is logical, but I'm also the only one saying this, so I might be crazy. But now, <laughs> now I got my man Rick Buker with me, but- the Lonzo Classic for the Chris Paul is the backup, backup, backup plan. I still think they're not coming out of this summer with nobody. So who is it? Might be Chris Paul. And I then just that's would a classic Daryl move. What would Daryl, it is a classic Daryl move because. I'm getting off this. We didn't even talk about how they fired a bunch of their. Yeah, they did. They had like a real house cleaning and there's definitely, I have not talked to him about it. I have no inside info just from everything sizing up what I know and what I read, like it really seems like it's a three person power struggle. Now the owner, Daryl and Mike D Mike, Mike D'Antoni with uh, what to do about next year's contract. Cause I guess the owner extended them. Daryl obviously wasn't a huge fan of it. So they got rid of like multiple people that were like close to all that stuff. So I don't know how this plays out. I, my, my gut tells me not good. And then the new owner thing with Daryl, like now I'm, I'm starting to, he just got an extension, which is the weird part. Daryl got an extension. Daryl got an yeah, extension. Yeah. Um, but it's weird it was, that he got an extension, big. but they're not on the same page with the coach. Yeah. Because when you said extension the first time, D'Antoni hasn't been given an extension, right? No, but he got one extra year. He got one extra year, yeah. but he had said like, I wanted to end my career here. Can you trade a GM? I'd love to start trying. Kyle, dial up the trade machine. <laughs> Is there a tra GM trade machine? <laughs> Which team needs Daryl that would be worth the asset going back? The Wizards. The Wizards? The Knicks? You, would you do Beal for Maury? <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to take Ernie Grunfeld's contract. <laughs> That's fine. We could just stretch provision Grunfeld. I always thought, I never understood why coaches and GMs couldn't get traded. I always thought they were some great windows for this to happen over the years, especially in football. There's some really logical football coaches. You never trends. wrote this column? This would have made a lot I of sense. I think I've for alluded you. to it a lot of times, but I, I would have loved because I think one of the dumbest things we ever started believing, and I'll just I'll you can tell me if you agreed or not, but like when we started doing how many players would you take before you took Brad Stevens to start your franchise? And that was happening last summer. Yeah. Like I need to punch myself in the face. <laughs> For having that conversation. I had him like 29th. You had him twice. I had like I saw, only like 28 players over him. I said fucking guys will have him like seventh. Yeah. That's the stupidest shit ever. That's yeah. so dumb. I have some regrets. <laughs> You're it, at 28, 29. That's not even that bad. But guys, real guys were having this conversation last year on like how many guys would you take before you take Brad Stevens? And now I, I regret. I regret those thoughts. I will tell you this. If he had been coaching Milwaukee, they would have won that series. Yeah, I still think he's a good coach, but I think it was an absurd. I don't know what to think of Budenholzer now. Well, I, he was apparently. I was like blown awesome. away by how bad he was in that series. I really was. I And I hate to be the guy who blames the refs and the coaches, but <laughs> I was just, I was like, what are you doing, dude? I couldn't believe they weren't posting up Lopez. He, 
You're, they had I think 25 the terrible shots. What? <laughs> the hockey substitutions probably messed you up a little bit. But think about like how quickly every, I mean, look, I'm, I'm repeating myself, so I'm not yeah. going to, but it's just. How quickly it turns. It's just, everybody's like, this guy, Coach Bud, look at this system. This guy's amazing. How many and breaks have we sucks? done? Two, right? We've only done one break. Oh, well, let's take another one. Let's take a break to talk about our buddies at Simple Safe Home Security. Great security system, awesome protection, very easy to use. And they're from Boston, the city that has a chance to win three straight championships in a row. It's in play. Bruins up one nothing. Simply Safe got started after Harvard engineers' friends got burglarized when they went to get a security system. It was a hassle. Too complicated, too expensive, terrible contracts. So we built something better, a comprehensive, easy-to-use protection. No contracts, fair prices, keeps your family and home safe 24-7 for only $14.99 a month. Better yet, engineered to keep working during power outages, down Wi-Fi for burglars, smashes your keypad, and thoughtfully designed so it's never in your way. It even protects against fires, carbon monoxide, water damage, and freezing pipes. Go with the only home security I trust, Simply Safe, by going to simplysafe.com slash BS today. Simply Safe with two eyes, simplysafe.com slash BS. Check it out. So I, tr- I went through all the finals, tried to figure out the weirdest final subplots ever. You have two doozies, but they're both in the same finals. You have Kevin Durant probably leaving the Warriors. We have no idea if he's going to play. Today it came out he was traveling with the team to the finals. And I heard Buker talking to Colin about this. And he's like, it means one of two things. I had the same reaction. Either he had, there's a chance he could play game two, which is Sunday. Or there's no chance he's playing in the finals. So fuck it. You might as well go on the trip. And Buker said, I believe the latter. I tend to believe the latter. I also believe the latter. I don't think we're seeing him in this finals unless it's like game six, game seven. Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know yet on that one. I mean, he did do some on-court stuff a couple days ago. So unless that was, hey, I'm going to try and this isn't even close and that was the only point of doing it. I'm surprised the Cousins thing keeps coming up. Like, do they need Cousins? Like, I, I don't, you know. The Cousins yeah. thing's absurd. Right. It doesn't. I mean, he's not playing in this. It doesn't matter. Stop it. Either way. Uh He's just taking time away from Swedish Larry. <laughs> <laughs> he just gets right into Gasol's grill before the tip of game one. Can we do a quick gym corner right now? Yeah. So calf injury, what would, what would be your move in the gym to try to get this back? What, what would we be working on? Like, oh man, my calf hurts. I got to get this thing ready. I want to work. I want to, I, I can't not do legs. I'm Ryan Rosillo. Yeah, I know. I would have to, uh, the hydration is key for the calves. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't think you're going to just start doing calf raises. Like, that's not going to bring it back. So, yeah. I mean, look, if Durant can't come back, it's not like he needs me to help him come back. You'd have to use that um, that that gun thing, that 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 muscle thing that everybody uses now, the Theragun. Yeah. So I got to buy one of those to try to just prod away. I have myself. a hot take. This is my hottest take of the pod. Oh, let me sit up. And I definitely think he had a calf tear and they're calling it a strain, but it's a tear. We talked about this last time. Right. And by and the way, I had some people texting, email. yeah. emailing that you were dead on. That's exactly what it is. It. It's a tear. I nailed it. You deserve it. a lot of credit. Killed it. I'm disappointed in the technology we have in 2019. Unless like the calf was ripped off his body, like Triple H style. And Triple H has like the tricep just rips off his arm during WrestleMania and he's out for eight months. I can't believe we don't have like a combination of you know, elect electrolysis and 
weird fucking chambers to go into and PDs. Cortisone? Oh, just, I can't believe we don't have the science to fix a calf injury in (laughs) three, four weeks that it's, it's like one of the few things we can't really treat. It seems like it's like, if your calf's torn, it's torn and here's the timetable and there's no way to stop it. Well, I think ribs would be in first place over like things that you just can't fix. Like nothing. Fucking what, what's the worst rib injury you've had? I haven't had it as bad as like my dad had his ribs broken. A couple so I times. broke three ribs when I was in high school. Worst ever, right? It's, it's indescribable. It's, it's a hundred times more painful than you would ever in a million years. You can't even, you can't sneeze. You can't cough. You can't laugh. You can't sit up for long stretches of time. It's incredible. Those are three of your things you love doing. I Yeah. <laughs> Sneezing, coffee, laughing. That's a big three for me. And then uh, I bruised my ribs in 2010, actually. I fell on the stairs at the beach. There was this hole in the stairs I didn't see, and I went through the hole, yeah, and I rammed. I might have had a couple of cocktails. <laughs> um, and I rammed my ribs in the thing, and it was like, <gasps> I can't breathe. Oh, and it man. was just a bruise. It was, I didn't break anything. But I had these bruised ribs for a week. And then you read about how these quarterbacks play. It was like, oh, he's bruised ribs. He's playing Sunday. And I was like, I can't fucking drive. I can't do anything. Am I just like the biggest loser ever? But my point is injuries really hurt. I've had a calf injury. I've had hamstring like over the years with basketball. The calf's brutal because you're always thinking you're going to make it worse. You don't realize how important it is until it's it's, it's like the leg doesn't work. It yeah, your sucks. leg's just gone. Right. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're like, in one leg. Every time you try to push off on it, you're like, wait a minute. There's no way to solve it. And this is probably the best part of the podcast when uh, Bill and Ryan talked about all the yeah, about our comparisons. <laughs> like if you have an if well, you have I'm sure a knee injury, is feeling this right now. Like Kawhi had a sore sore seemed like a sore knee or something, right? Do we know what Kawhi had? Did he did Robot Kawhi tell us what was wrong? No, with him? no, he just he had some. He's, he's a pretty fun guy. He's <laughs> one of his legs was a little bit compromised. Yes. But it seemed like he could play through it. He was okay. Yeah. You, if you have a calf tear, you're not playing through it. I also think Durant's body type makes it even worse. Oh, man. Like when it's when your whole leg is a calf because he's so long. Like his calf muscle is probably the size of my torso. So I did a whole thing in my book about how amazing it was that Willis played in that game seven of the finals things. And I did a whole bunch of research on it. And, you know, he basically, the injury he had, like, just, you should be in a wheelchair. You shouldn't even be, like, what on a cane. It? He blew, what's what's this muscle here? Hamstring? No, the, the blue. He blew his quad. Oh. And basically, there you couldn't make it better. So the only way he could really play was it was so painful, they had to shoot um, this thing that was basically a horse tranquilizer into the leg so he couldn't feel it. So I took this giant needle and they put it in there. And it's like, yeah, that feels good because he couldn't feel it. And then you you watch the game. He's just like dragging the leg. Um, That actually is more incredible over the course of time because we didn't have the internet and a lot of the stuff we have now. But if you actually go back and watch the clips. What were guys telling you when they were giving you the backstory to that? Like, who did you talk to? No, I was to? just researching the books and stuff. Oh, did you, yeah, so, I didn't talk to anybody. Yeah, they, it was all written about at the all time. About? It was just, yeah, is what it is. So yeah, Will Street. So anyway, I mean, they could shoot Durant up, but I, it's not like he can drag his leg around and play basketball the way we play basketball now. It's not happening. So no, I don't think we're going to see Also, the little him. thing about free agency too. Like he may like, oh, yeah. uh, you know what? No offense. But the the debate, <laughs> the debate of like- I'm one too, I'm good. Right. 
Um, the debate of like where he's at. What if you're Golden State and go, hey, will you play and we'll give you a max deal? And he's like, no, I'm good. Do you think the Knicks would have, if he blew out his Achilles, do you think the Knicks still give him a max deal? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I'm surprised more Achilles people Achilles is tough. I think calf is probably safer. So anyway, you have this crazy KD subplot and then you have this even crazier Kawhi one and done subplot, which we've had in a couple times over the years, but never as blatant as this where really nobody seems to think he's going back there. Even the Toronto fans who... I think I've just enjoyed the living hell out of the season or in the mode of, oh man, you know, you start winning these games, he's getting closer to us. I think even they really deep down know he's probably not staying. So that's why I always think these decisions are kind of crazy the way we talk about them is if like where you want to be the next four or five years of your life and you would say, yeah, I could be here. Oh no, maybe I could be here. No, no, I could do this. No, maybe I'll do this. Like, I, I just don't think it's. So the biggest decision you've made in your life was moving to LA. Uh, like the most dramatic yeah, decision. Yeah, pretty much. You're like, I'm fucking leaving Connecticut. I'm yep. moving to LA. Yeah. And at some point you decided you were doing this. Mm -hmm. And then ESPN came in and said, we're getting rid of Kornheiser. You're going to go in with Wilbon. You're like, I can't do that to Tony. We never told this story. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding, America. I'm kidding. They never said that. Tony's done for life. I'm just glad you I were saying. I was like, am I supposed to talk about this now? Uh, no, yeah. but you moved to LA. You made this decision. And at some point in your head, you're like, I'm fucking going to LA. Yeah. So analysts would come by and they would see I'd be on Zillow every commercial break. <laughs> and that was going on for about two years. Yeah. So eventually you made yeah. the move. I feel like that's what Kawhi's like. That's what I think most people do. I think Kawhi's do. on Zillow right now. Yeah. I think he already, well, he already was had on it. Zillow. He bought the house. <laughs> He already bought the house. I, I always think these decisions, and that kind of gets back to, you know, the climate thing, like to sit there and say, this is semantics. This is a semantics battle. Kevin Durant has a pretty good idea what he's going to do in July yeah. right now. He yeah, does. I would say. He it does. would be weird if he didn't. So you know? the weirdest subplots we've had heading into a finals. Oh, I love this. Did you research all this? I did. I'm pumped. 1998, this is probably the end for Jordan and the Bulls. And that was really weird. It's worth just revisiting it for people that may be younger. That it was just understood that this amazing team that's just going to three-peat again with the greatest player. Remember, they manipulated the salary stuff, too, where basically Jordan could be paid whatever they wanted to pay him. So he was making like $30 million decade before anybody else was making $30 million. Yeah. And yet everybody just knew it was over. Yeah. And it was really well, weird. Because they, they had ruined the relationships with Pippen and Phil Jackson to the point that those guys were leaving. And people figured either Jordan was going to retire or jump to somebody else. I wrote about this uh, last year because the amazing part of this is that Jordan, I think, really did want to play again. And they made it so he didn't really have an option. I think you're right. He didn't have a team to go to. And, and supposedly in this new documentary that's going to come out uh, a year from now that's being done by one of my friends, like he talks about this. He wasn't really ready to retire yet. I always felt like when he was talking about like when they were at the parade and they're celebrating, I didn't think he was full of it at all. I felt his tone was very genuine when he was kind of talking, like looking around, like, I don't know what's going to happen here. And that didn't seem like a guy to me that wanted to hang it up at all. But they did some fucked up stuff to Scotty that pushed him to like the what? point. They, they, re, they took advantage of him financially with some contracts where they gave him extensions that were even worse than the, you know, 
basically he had a bad rookie contract, rookie year or rookie scale deal, whatever, because his agent, whatever happened. And then they redid the deal and it seemed like they were doing him a favor, but they really weren't. Hmm. And then there was another chance to redo it and they didn't. And then they could have like a year before the season. And I think by that time he played that last season, I think he wasn't one of the top hundred highest paid players and the salaries had ballooned. And they just had, they had three different chances to just be like, all right, we're taking care of this. And they just never did. And then the Jackson thing, they, they just couldn't wait to get rid of him. Yeah, they, they couldn't that stand was, him. And then Kraus, who I thought at the time, you know, because I was, I was younger then and I'm, you know, still loving this stuff. But I was always impressed by his whole theory of what he was doing because he was dumping on the Celtics. He's like, well, the Celtics held on to everybody for so long and we're not going to do that. I'm like, man, that's really bold. Like, that's then, smart. Then he's got Tim Floyd yeah. and Eddie Curry. Yeah, and so he's got Tyson Chandler, Eddie Curry. He so, made the Hall and, of Fame. I thought it was insane. And then you kind of go, hey, you know what probably would have made way more fucking sense? Just coming back with all the guys that are really good that just won a third title. Yeah, and the other thing is with the with the Bird McHale Parish, there's a little bit of a revisionist history of that. Like, they, it actually worked what they did. Burgess, his career ended early. You know, yeah, what was he? Thirty-two. He played thirteen years. He was done. Like yeah. LeBron's played sixteen years. Like they just got hurt. McHale had some injuries, but when they kept those guys together, the ninety-one and ninety-two teams were one of the best four teams both of those seasons. And each year, yeah, and it, something was the, it was the kind of thing where I wasn't educated enough, and it sounded really impressive and unique. And I was like, man, this guy's bold. Yeah. And then I, yeah, I think when you're younger. And at that point, like I thought I wanted to work in sports and everything. It just sounded like, oh, wow, that's that's really impressive to me. And yeah. then you realize, hey, you know what else is impressive? Like doing the smarter thing and keeping all those guys around. So well, anyway. the Lakers did the same thing, right? They kept Magic and Worthy and Byron Scott together and then had ended up having that one last run with uh, the 91 team that almost won the title. But I don't know. Anyway, um, so that team, other than that, I could not find a weird subplot before playoffs. The Magic Isaiah thing was weird in 88. They made a big deal about that. Then they kissed each other on the cheek for every game. Like, that was just, I still don't really have an explanation for that one. But then the other ones are just stuff that happened during a series. Like, you know, Nick Anderson missed the free throws in game one. And that became the dominant weird subplot. Um, LeBron had that weird meltdown in Dallas in game four in 2011. And that kind of transcended the series because it was so bizarre. 06, Mavs, um, Heat. Mavs, Heat, the refs overpowered that series. The games three, game four, game five, with the, the officiating became the dominant. If you go back, I wrote two different columns about it in the course of a week because that's all anyone was talking about. They weren't talking about the games. And then uh, last year, Jared Smith's foul after game one and just all of that and how, the, how that was dealt with after the fact. It's pretty rare to have weird shit going on during the finals. It's usually like, all right, here are two teams. Here we go. Let's have some basketball. And this one has Kawhi and KD just kind of lingering over everything. Plus, not to mention the Warriors, four and five. Um, Toronto never having been there before. The media never really having descended on Toronto for this, which, you know, you look back this decade with, with playoff series, every year there's been kind of one, eh, city. So 2011 Dallas, eh, Dallas is fine, right? You like Dallas more than I do? No, probably it's not. Fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's, it's fine. fine. I, I don't. It's okay. It's, it's never my top destination, but if I go there, 2012 OKC, eh, 
13. OKC's behind Dallas. All right, just <laughs> 13 and 14, San Antonio. Eh. I've still never been to San Antonio. Yeah, you're not missing out. San Antonio. 15 through 18, Cleveland. Four straight years. But now this year, they got San Francisco, Toronto. Are you doing Every, anything for it? Everybody's going to be in a good mood. I don't know. I might, I, might, uh, I might sit this one out. I know. I still want to go check out a Golden State game. I don't. I like the idea of not going to Toronto just because I think people from Toronto will take it personally. <laughs> you came to OKC, but not here. Yeah, but you were doing ESPN stuff then. <laughs> sure. Like this would have to be you deciding just to do some things. Seems really. F I don't even know if my passport works anywhere. Passport. You should. Have There's no way nephew Kyle's getting through customs. I mean, we've already I got established clear, that. Oh, it's different. Clears. Yeah, clears. Kyle. That's that's okay. why. Should, I Kyle, stay in the United States. <laughs> okay. I don't want you in international waters. <laughs> no, but it's it's a good because it basically if Durant were healthy, you'd be sitting here watching the two best players, maybe in their last run while they're still in their prime, and it's really weird and it's and it's an awesome precursor to what this this July. Well, let's do be. this right now. But uh, we'll take a quick break, then we're doing the finals preview. Let's take a break. Talk about Luminary, specifically the Rewatchables 1999 podcast, available only on Luminary. Rewatchables 1999 is a spinoff of our very popular Rewatchables podcast that had The Hangover, actually, this week. Uh, for Rewatchables 1999, we have dove into a bunch of iconic movies from 1999, which was an all-time great year in film. And also, like, a really entertaining year. This, this week, we're doing uh, Austin Powers 2, the second one, the oh, one with Heather Graham. Spy who the me. best one, Spy Who Shagged Me, a classic uh, we go through all the same categories like we always do, including, uh, this one was a good one. Uh, what is the most 1999 thing about this movie? Let's just say American Online. It's sure. prominently featured in Austin sure. Powers too. A lot of stuff like that. Check it out. Luminary also has great podcasts like Hannibal Burris's Handsome Rambler and Trevor Noah's Let's Talk This Out. Uh, you can get access to a bunch of original shows from innovative, dynamic creators you can't find anywhere else. Free app to download. Use it to listen to thousands of podcasts, including the ones you love, like this one right here. Uh, movies, sports, comedy, more that you will usually, if always, have the right show for you. Check it out. First two months of access to Luminary's premium content for free. You can sign up at luminary.link slash Simmons, and you can get, I think, like six rewatchables, 1999 pods at this point. After that, two months, $7.99 per month, luminary.link slash Simmons for two months of free access. Cancel any time. Terms apply. I guess the question is, could Kawhi win this by himself? Because we saw this in 2011 with Dirk Nowitzki. He got a lot of help. People forget Jason Terry, like Tyson Jandler's defense was great. Sean Marion was awesome on LeBron. Like that was a team victory. But Dirk's run was pretty great, that 2011 run. And the question is, Will we remember 2019 as the Kawhi playoff run? Is it in play? Yeah, it's definitely in play, but I don't, I'm not going to go ahead and pick it. Uh, Do you know what the odds are? For what? Just the straight Toronto up Toronto to win the series. I know it's, they're uh, still a pretty heavy dog, right? Yeah. All right. So right now it's Warriors are minus like 290. Raps are in the plus 225, plus 230 range. MVP is fun. Oh, really? All right, here we go. Curry minus 143, which I just want to say was like minus 190 a week ago, and I was talking to Sal and House about whether we should be stepping in on that. Kawhi is plus 250. Draymond's plus 650. Durant's 14-1, to 1, which is complete lunacy. 
Clay Thompson, 20 to 1. Lowry, 30 to 1. Siakam, 50 to 1. Ibaka, 100 to 1. Cousins is 200 to 1, which is absurd. Good value. I, I mean, if the Warriors win, Curry's going to be the MVP, I would say. I would think so. I With would no think KD, point, he's going to shoot right. 28 times a game. Yeah, I mean, the, the Iguodala thing was fluky and wrong in 2015. Who should have won it? Curry. Curry was the whole reason that everything opened up once he figured out, okay, this is what they're going to do. Like, you could see it in that series. He was getting trapped. I always feel like the finals MVP is the biggest chick, the biggest piece of chicken at the table for dad. The Chris Rock joke. It's like, unless somebody else in that series just went absolutely haywire crazy, just gave it to Tim Duncan in 07. Yeah. Like, stop right. with the Tony. Like, Tim Duncan's the best player in the league. Give him the finals MVP. Let's stop with the, oh, well, for these four games, Tony's shooting was, it's like Tim Duncan's the best part. I think people try to get cute with it. Yeah, that's, stop. that's really what happens. And that's why, you know, this Curry stuff of like, I, I want him to get a finals MVP so people can stop asking the question of somehow we're supposed to reclassify him because he doesn't have one and because Iguodala won his in 2015. Uh, well, so you, as you know, yeah, this is all about the narratives. So we're coming out of this finals, most realistic narratives to you. I would say number one would be Warriors win the title. Steph Curry wins the finals MVP, followed by a whole referendum on, is this now one of the 12 best players of all time? This is the final piece for him. He's the Tim Duncan of this era and everybody doing that whole thing. That's that's probably our most realistic path. Second most realistic path would be the Kawhi, oh my God, this was one of the craziest nine-week runs we've had. Now what happens? First time in the finals for the city. One and done. Masai, oh, is Kawhi, right. Kawhi's the best player in the league now. Yeah. Um, and just the whole Kawhi, Toronto, this is one of the craziest things that's ever happened. That would be path number two. Path number three is... Jarebko, ultimate glue guy? Swedish Larry, and people are like, fuck, he is better than Larry Bird. No, I would say path number three would be a long series and Durant comes back about halfway through and swings the series and gets some sort of weird sports movie redemption. Right. Yeah. Like a Jalen Hurts thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Steph had like a couple games where he struggled. Yeah. So it's 2-2. Here comes KD. And then, so well, like, yeah, right, right. We could have Steph on the one side. Like he really is that special. He's that amazing. Or the anti-Steph people would be like, yes, he had a couple bad nights shooting. Durant had to bail him out, and he shouldn't have won that one in 15 either, and he's not that good. There's a path four, which is a Draymond path, where they put him on Kawhi, and he takes Kawhi out of the series and puts up triple doubles in shape Draymond, who lost between 23 and 30 pounds during the season somehow. is actually in shape, and this becomes the Draymond Alpha Dogs fuck KD series. The KD, the no KD, and they win without him is going to be the weirdest thing ever. So maybe if that's he, path number one. It, the Warriors winning the finals without Kevin Durant. They win. So it's not so much the Steph referendum. It will be, but it'll be like, think about Kevin Durant's path. Like he went there and everybody got mad about it. Okay. And yeah. I wasn't mad because I think I understood what he was doing for basketball happiness. Yeah. But the more I thought about it, I'd be like, okay, so what if LeBron went the next year? Like I would have that conversation with myself. I'd be like, you're going to be cool with that too. Right. You'd be cool with that because you're not, you're not going to be cool with that. So, 
selfishly, everybody's pissed at Durant because now their team's goals are that much harder. People were mad at you and you started doing stuff with the ringer. I know. I couldn't believe it. But now it's been a win for everybody. So everybody should be happy. <laughs> uh, like, you didn't need to go there. They already had Bill and Tate. Yeah, they were loaded. <laughs> fucking jumping on. <laughs> so, one shiny podcast. Yeah. Did it today. No big deal. Um, <laughs> it, it just would be such... Like, I don't want that to happen to Durant in a weird way. I don't either. I think... Because it's going to be nasty. So it's funny. Not funny because he died. But I was thinking about narratives with Bill Buckner. The 86 team, I probably had five teams in my life that meant the most to me. Maybe even less than that. The 86 team is one of those teams. Same for me. I fucking love Bill Buckner. And he played hurt that whole year. And that Angels series is just like his DNA is all over that series. And especially the Hindu game and him greeting Henderson out of the, Henderson's coming around. He's the first guy out of the dugout to hug him. And he's just kind of like the emotional fulcrum of that team. And there's this great at bat he had with Mike Witt during that game in that inning when they, we need like three, two, three runs that inning. And he's like yelling at Mike Witt, trying to knock him out. Then he gets a single and he's just like, he's, I fucking love that guy. And the narrative just became Bill Buckner's dead. He made the play in the world series and, then it swings around. It was actually unfair how he was remembered and this whole thing that we do now. Um, I do feel like if if the Warriors won the series without Durant, it really would change the big picture ceiling of how we remember these last three years. Where it was like, actually, that team was so fucking awesome, it didn't matter whether they had Durant or not. Which is really dangerous for him. Because he cares about this shit. Right, because it it may all be bullshit, right? Okay, you're still, like, before he had this calf thing. He was the best player in the league. He was the best player in the league. The numbers are staggering, and we saw it, but it made Golden State look different. And, you know, you can't just say, well, that team won 73 games, and here they are again, because that's not fair, because they don't have the same depth, because 30 million of it's sitting there in Durant. And, you know, Harrison Barnes, even though he sucked in the finals, he at least was somebody you could. Unplayable. They took, they took him out for a Zeely with six minutes left. Right. But all of those guys, everybody that came in was a mess. Like Festus missed those two layups yeah. and you're just like, this thing, nothing is going right for you guys down here. And, and LeBron and Kyrie were awesome. But it would just be such a like, for all the things that Durant hates, this would be the thing. Like the shithead on his phone being like, they want it without you, dude. And that's where you went. And See, like, that's you're right. That stuff would bother him. I love... I love most of the time when things get super weird with sports. I really don't want this to happen. I think Durant. So you'd rather the Warriors lose so that Durant I just, spared the criticism. I think the ridicule. I think the worst thing that could happen for me, somebody who just loves basketball and who likes Durant, and respects him, is the Warriors sweep without him, <laughs> and they they finish the year nine and zero without Durant. And that just goes, it's the fucking asterisk on his basketball resume. Now he has to go to New York and win the title at that point. Now it's like, I have to leave. Now I have to beat you guys. And by the way, as we were running through all the East and just predicting Philly's going to roll through this thing and everything, we, we've completely left out the entire summer of moves and how different those teams could look. So that's, yeah. that's at least worth bringing up, as you mentioned, the thing going to New York. Uh, I hope that doesn't happen. And I also think Toronto... Toronto's too good to get swept by the yeah, Warriors. I don't think they're gonna get it's not swept. happening, no. so that's probably out. But yeah, they no. might, you know... I think Kawhi's going to be a real problem for them without uh, without Durant. I actually think they need him in this series. And, that, you know, they're, they're playing Jarebko and they're playing uh, McKinney and these dudes that 
you know, they're just a little light on the swingman I'd be, side. I'd be watching Houston tape and going, let's try to get away with what, like when PJ Tucker can armbar Curry on a curl. Like, that's what we need to do. Because as soon as it got to play Portland, it was like, now, this is way easier. Right. Um, so this is one of the things with Toronto. I can't wait to see what they do with Kawhi, see who they put him on. You know, I, I had a couple of people tell me they didn't understand why they weren't putting Bledsoe on Kawhi in that series. Because apparently he doesn't love being guarded by smaller guys. And that there's some success... No kidding. Success potion with that over the years where just guys that are like really in his grill, like trying to disrupt his ball handling could be a thing. So I, I talked to uh, one person in particular who was just like, why didn't they put Bledsoe on him? It's like such a great use of Bledsoe. Because like the Celtics, I think, would have put Marcus Smart on him. I don't think they would have guarded him with Tatum and Jalen. I think they would have gone smaller and tried to make him like post up or something. But the Warriors don't really have that guy to do that. So that that's just going to be Iguodala, who might be yeah Draymond and Iguodala and, Dr- and Draymond's the other thing. But now, if you have Draymond, now you really have to play Looney, which is fine. Which is fine because he's been great, right? I think it's I think it's, but I'm thinking Kawhi, pretty set up for them. Like, are they going to have Kawhi close on Steph? They who, should. Yeah, right? why is he guarding Iguodala or Draymond? Could this be the Lowry series we've been waiting for forever? That's what scares me. If I'm a Toronto fan, is that as much as we can start talking about all the moving pieces of Kawhi, and you know, I think everybody does this thing with Golden State where it's a little overrated, where they try to do this deal where it's like, well, you know, just play big against them. You're like, well, a lot of times when you try to do that, they yeah, still make you look stupid. And Looney's a real piece. Like Looney can legitimately play whatever big position you need right now. But you keep getting back to like, are Van Vliet and Lowry going to run around and chase, chase Clay and Curry? I would think they're going to use Kawhi to disrupt that at some point, unless they feel like Kawhi isn't all the way healthy and that they need to manage him in a way where he's still giving you 38 minutes, but, you know, he's on offense. But it would almost feel like a waste to keep Kawhi defensively on those other guys. Could this be the Lowry series where he's just... I actually really... I thought he was a winner in that last series. He was better. He deserves credit I, for somebody He went who, ju- kind of junkyard dogish, right? He was yeah. on the floor a lot and getting loose balls. Well, he was always going to be on the floor. Trying yeah. to get charges. No, but I mean... Yeah, He's he does all that stuff. His spirit was back. Yeah, I, I still wonder like, if he gets a clean look in a game with 30 seconds left, is he pulling it or is he always looking to make another... Like, There's too many, too many times in him I'm like, why are you throwing it to Siakam in the corner now? Yeah, you like, know You're still supposed to be Kyle Lowry. And but overall, the playoff run for this this guy this year versus so, some of the stuff we've seen, he deserves win. credit. Yeah, absolutely. So you think is and Danny Green, if he doesn't step out of this, he becomes probably unplayable. I don't think that that happens that way. I, I know Danny Green's missing all these shots, and it almost took the building out of it in the beginning of Game Six when he missed those first three. But you know, we from the outside do this. It's kind of like the Bledsoe thing. It's kind of like where you just be like, all right, well, you can't play this guy anymore. I'm I'm sure Nick Nurse feels like I'm not going to abandon the guy. I think it's more realistic that he comes back. Yeah, I'd expect than it to is for shots. Van Vliet to keep doing the way what he did those last couple of games. I think that's less realistic to me, especially in the bigger stage when you have a more disciplined uh, defensive team. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, because what Van Vliet did was insane. So I I wouldn't expect like, hey, this guy's just going to shoot 80%. That's that's one of the great things about this playoffs is that weird shit happened. I like when weird shit happens. And you look back and you go, it's like that year Orlando beat Cleveland, which I think probably shouldn't have happened. 
but they were a team that shot a lot of threes during the season had Dwight and were successful at it. And then they just played well and everybody else on Cleveland went cold other than LeBron. Well, LeBron you know was, one of the great series ever. You know what was great about that series is it was the classic like in the playoffs watching it in the first game, you go, wait a minute, like this is a problem. And it was because you had huge guys on catch and shoot plays for Orlando being guarded by really small guards. Yeah. And there was nothing, all of a sudden you just went, well, there's nothing, there's nothing like Cleveland's got to roll with Booby Gibson and was it Mo? And they it's were bad. chasing around Richard Lewis and Turkaloo. I went, I looked up uh, guys just in the history of the playoffs who played at least 16 playoff games, which is a really, that's a long sample size at that point. You're talking, I don't know, seven, seven weeks at that point. 16 playoff games, 27 points a game, eight re, or at least seven rebounds a game. PR over 25, shot at least 48%. List is not long. LeBron's on here four times. Jordan's on here twice. You got three Shaq seasons. You got two Hakeem seasons. You got a Durant 2018. You got Dirk in 2011. Dirk's 2011 is on there, huh? Yeah. The point is... Every one of these seasons except MJ in 90 and MJ in 89 led to the team at least making the finals. And in two-thirds of the cases, the team won. So Kawhi's on this list is my point. You're talking LeBron, Jordan, Shaq, uh, Kareem, Hakeem, KD, Bird, Nowitzki. That's pretty rarefied air. Yeah, that's like the no why are you here in the room list. That is like, you're not getting a better list than that. I was surprised Kobe wasn't on that list. Say it again. Well, his shooting numbers, I bet, would never clear it. 28, 7, 48% shooting, 25 PR. Just like, it's really hard to do that for more than like 12 games in a row. LeBron, Jordan, Shaq, Kawhi, Kareem, Hakeem, both Hakeem seasons, you would think, 94 and 95. Um, Bird, Nowitzki. And what's cool is it's all the seasons you would have thought, you know, like it's Bird's 84 season. He was 27, 11 that year. It was just really good. Nowitzki's 11. Uh, Durant last year was 29 and 8. Um, Kareem's 74 season. Shaq, um, all three seasons when he was the best player in the league, 001 and 02. And then uh, all the big Jordan seasons and then all the LeBron seasons, you would think. so. Um, That's good. So the thing is, it's a good list. Obviously, I don't want to. I don't want to sound like I was stating the obvious. Like, thanks for coming today, right? <laughs> I knew Kawhi was talented. I still was never ready to go there. Like, I voted for him. I think second for MVP that one year. I definitely thought he was one of the best players in the fourteen finals. That he had that playoffs two years ago. He was great. But guys have had moments like that. This is different. He's now at a different place, I think, historically, and just like what I thought his ceiling would be as a player. The two-way but, thing he did in the in the first three rounds was really, really, really high up there. I get. I guess I. I don't know. Like I've always kind of felt like he was in this group, but not that group that you just listed to me. But you know, he's different in the way that Giannis is different. That's why the parallels in that series was was interesting for the backstory stuff. If you're going to be one of those guys, we usually know like maybe first year, the worst your second year, right? Yeah. Like everybody you just mentioned, it was really probably first year for every one of those dudes. Um, Yeah. 
maybe not Dirk, you know, I mean, maybe not Dirk. Dirk, maybe like third year for Dirk. But everybody else, like that's why, you know, sometimes when a guy, you know, goes in the lottery, goes fourth, and then he's on a new team his third year. And and then that whole fan base is like, awesome. We just going to be like, not really. Yeah. Because he's probably going to suck. No offense. (sighs) Kawhi's just so different from any kind of person that we could say arguably is the best player in the world. I think what's amazing about this run and why I think it's going to be remembered, win or lose, what happens in this finals is is the two-way stuff and the fact that uh, he was just kind of deciding which player to take out each round and then doing a really good job. Like the numbers on Giannis, there was a pretty big sample size of the effect that he had on Giannis. Um, the stretch that he had at the end of game three, when it's just like for three minutes, they were down like 12, 13. And for three minutes, he just did like every single thing in the basketball court. Okay, even got his own rebound in the free throw, which he crossed the line. They never call that for some they reason. They never call it. But, uh, but he just did everything. He like by himself brought them back. And then in the fourth quarter, other guys stepped in. But that was really like high up there. But think of all the times too in basketball where we'll say like, well, why can't this guy just do this? You know, drive more, right? That's like people sitting at home, just drive the hoop more. Just drive the hoop more. First of all, there's never been any basketball, not even Jordan. No one can just drive the hoop relentlessly all night long. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. Whether you're going to get tired or different things are going to happen in front of you defensively. You get six fouls. Yeah. You just you can't just drive to the hoop every single possession, even though it drives me nuts when commentators say that kind of stuff. They're like, oh, you're going to take it to the hoop. You're going to take it to the hoop more. Yeah. He finds a way to kind of do it, though. He finds a way to just... There's... You know, Steph always had this thing where when I'd watch him when he was rolling, it was like everything in the basketball court was happening around him. Yeah. You know, he was he was the sun and everything else was connected to him. When when it first started becoming really apparent, like this Steph Curry thing's insane, okay? But Kawhi does it in a way where you, don't, you almost don't even realize it's happening to you. Where, yeah, I'm going to get this board. Yep, I'm going to go length of the floor. All right, now I got my layup. Now I got an and one. Okay, I'm going to come down here. I'm going to defend this guy. I'm going to get this rebound. And you're just like, how did this guy all of a sudden become like the one player doing everything in the game? And because, I mean, look, the dunk he had to finish, finish out game six was sick, but that's not usually, like he's just he's just rocking you to death. The block you know? was underrated like a minute after. Giannis did get his revenge on that dunk. Oh, that he went way up. Yeah. yeah. You know what else is crazy about this Kawhi season? I mean, I would say out of all these guys I just mentioned, Hakeem is the best defensive player. Jordan's probably until this Kawhi season, the second. I think Kawhi is more impactful defensively because he can guard more guys. But the really crazy thing, he's almost a 50 40 90 guy this year. He's 51%. 88% free throws, which is nuts with the amount of punishment he took. And then he's 39% from three. And this includes that fucking crazy 16 for 39 game seven. You know, where like these are like he's taking a lot of field goals. This isn't like one of those things where he's just parachuting in and no getting like he's actually taking a lot of shots, but still high percentage of them. So I really think it's way up there. No matter what happens this round, I think it's going to stand the test. Um, any other narratives you could see popping out of this finals? I'm just wondering, is there any scenario where, like, I don't think Clay was going anywhere, but could they lose, have it be disappointing? He could be a win, but I think it's more realistic he's a winner this round, right? Who, Clay? Where he makes like 23s in five games. 
Yeah, I don't expect Clay to not play well, but I'm just trying to think of like anything positive. Like if if the Warriors lost and it was ugly and Durant didn't come back and it was not ugly like they got their asses kicked, but just you know didn't get enough shots or something like that. Like a Draymond would say something. I'm, I'm look. I'm seriously like this is fiction. I'm giving you right yeah, now. Yeah. But I'm, I'm trying to think of like whatever. What other scenario could you have? Could it be ever actually be bad where this is the bad ending? And well, there's one over. other scenario we haven't talked about. Talked about this on Friday's pod. Uh, the Warriors go up 2 nothing, and Katie's like, hey, guys, good news, I'm back. And then they lose game three. It's in play. It's in play, but he has to come back and play. Yeah. You can't tell him no. What's the difference between working hard and working smart? Well, just look at the Lakers. They haven't worked very hard, and they are not working smart. We're going to talk about that in a second. You want to talk about a place that's not working smart? Try the Los Angeles Lakers the last uh, last six, seven years. ZipRecruiter's technology and tools make hiring more efficient and effective. The smartest way to hire. Powerful technology. Scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience for your job. The tech doesn't just stop there. It even learns what kind of candidates you like and invites more to apply. ZipRecruiter is so effective. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. My listeners can try it for free. Oh, yeah. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. ZipRecruiter.com slash BS ZipRecruiter. The smartest way to hire. And if you want to get smart, by the way, don't forget about Big Little Live, our Big Little Lies after show. Amanda Dobbins and ESPN's Mina Kimes. We are launching with a previous show, uh, I think the June 7th, actually. And then the show starts on June 9th on Twitter, at Twitter, or hashtag Big Little Live. So check that out. All right, let's talk Lakers. Some quick questions, and then I think we have to go. Nick and Reston wants to know, is Anthony Davis the NBA equivalent of Fred Taylor's hamstring? <laughs> I think that's strong. I looked up the stats. It's not that bad. Should the Raptors, Marty wants to know, should the Raptors retire Kawhi's jersey before game five of the finals or wait till next year <laughs> when he comes back on another team? The jersey retirement criteria has, has definitely weakened over Could the Could he get his years. jersey retired for one season if they make the finals but don't win? Toronto would do it. They probably would. They're yeah. so grateful. The Canadians are such nice people. Aaron Solomon wants to point out that... Uh, <laughs> Ben Simmons had a terrible season or a disappointing season. And immediately after the season, Kendall Jenner broke up with him. Was that a coincidence? I actually thought it was the least surprising breakup ever, right? The season ends. She's good at that point, right? Because now there's no more games to go to. If she was at least partly in it because of the whole courtside, like the attention yeah. of the whole thing. Now the season's ended abruptly. At that point, you kind of find out who you are as a couple. And apparently we found out. So that's why they're in it for the courtside seats? I, th I think it's a reason. That seems to be Jeremy wants to know, is Drake now the most famous sideline celebrity of all time? Over Jack, over Spike, over... Yeah. and me. And you? No. Um, Jack, Spike, Jim Goldstein... Jim Goldstein, yeah, but Jim's always on the move. David, do you follow David Spade on Instagram? No, no he had this. Really, he does these funny Instagram stories, but he did this one thing where he had it was it was like Clay Thompson shooting before a game, and Jim Goldstein's just standing behind him, looking like Jim Goldstein. And David Spade, he's just like this thing where he's like, "Yeah, mom, we found him." 
Yeah, he's at the game. He must have wandered off. Uh, yeah, they're coming to get him. <laughs> but it's just really good. Uh, I you would have loved it. Yeah, Spade's love it. Instagram is solid. Goldstein did a 10-year challenge, and he was like, fuck this. Just, I'm going to do a 30-year challenge. And guys still were like, oh, my God, he hasn't aged. This is incredible. He's like, 10 years? I do. Th I actually think Drake is the most famous sideline celebrity because- What about the guy in Minnesota that pretends he's coaching? with the rolled up paper and he, he squats down. I don't you don't know, know about this guy? No, that guy sounds amazing. Yeah. I, didn't I can see if you lost your fucking mind that you could be like this guy. Like just, if, you, if, just, if things went weird for you and you just lost your shit. Might be you, tomorrow. You have a lot of money. Yeah, he wears like a suit. I can't wait for, I think it's Minnesota. And I don't know if he's still there now because I feel like I didn't notice him this year. But like he, he has a rolled up like piece of white paper and he crouches in front of the seat and he pretends he's like coaching and then he points like this and then he gets oh up. God. I mean, he's, it's crazy. I don't know if he's still doing it, but I, I remember he was doing it for years. It was nuts. He's not as famous though, obviously. I talked about how Yaming met his wife. Uh, it was kind of arranged by the Chinese government. And I said, I'd be up it for wasn't that. met on tall, on tall person Tinder. And Chris, it was a joke, throwaway yeah. joke on a podcast. Chris Davis said, that site wouldn't be called Tinder, it'd be called Timber. And then he said, I'll see myself out. Good stuff out Timber. of here. On a Tuesday? Timber, not Tinder, Timber. Yeah. That was good. Carl Forsman wants us to give our best guess for the starting point guard for every NBA team next year, which is impossible because there's like 20 spots. But I actually made a list of all the people that I'm positive will be the point guard next year. Here's the list. Okay. Atlanta, Trey Young. Cleveland, Colin Sexton. Denver, Jamal Murray. Golden State, Curry. Milwaukee, Bledsoe, OKC, Westbrook, Philly, Simmons, Portland, Lillard, Sacramento, Fox, Utah, Mitchell. I just named 10 teams. There were 20 teams I couldn't figure out who their point guard was going to be next year. Yeah, but Mitchell's not their point guard, isn't it, Rubio? Well, he'll probably play there next year. Yeah. But uh, the point is, it's like point guard, point guard snow globe just getting shook next year. You could even argue if Cleveland ends up taking a guard, they, they move they Sexton to the Sexton. two. Yeah. I don't think they would trade him. I'm just... Oh, they, interesting. They could, Cleveland could be in a situation, and maybe not, where they're looking at just going, let's just put two guards back there and see what happens. I mean, that's why the Portland McCollum Lillard thing, in a weird way, doesn't get enough credit. As much as everybody's always trying to break it up, yeah. the fact that it works and they have they have this synergy back there is, is awesome. Uh, I do like when, uh, I like the whole concept of stop pigeonholing people at the positions as somebody a guard. They're a guard. Yeah, why did we do that for so long? Curry's we... a guard. Somebody was saying that recently. Curry's not a point guard. He's just a guard. He can play yeah. either position. But it used to be it's the fine. worst. It used to, it was bad. It was bad to be those things. Think about how dumb that was. Basketball teams, pro basketball teams, preferred that the guy who had the ball in his hands all the time couldn't score. <laughs> <laughs> That's seriously what it was. Quinn Buckner. Yeah, like we don't, hey, what's, what's, uh, he's a pretty good shooter. That's yeah, not going to work. Last thing, let's talk about, uh, let's do, New episode of Throne Game. We'll just do it with the Lakers since Game of Thrones is now gone. Throne Game. So this Lakers story comes out. It's It's been rumored for, honestly, two months, this Baxter right. Holmes story. Had no idea what it would be in it. I'm sure it's been litigated down. Uh, it's This was probably the tamer version of whatever the original story was that ended up getting held. But um, some crazy dysfunctional stuff in there. Now, I went into the piece knowing the Lakers were a 10 out of 10 on the dysfunction scale, and I was still surprised by a couple of things. 
like Polinka just getting caught in lies, like about arranging Heath Ledger. Well, and we got to do the dinner. full Polinka story for those he, for those that I mean, this was the thing today. So Polinka's there with The Rock at some speaking engagement, and he goes, you know, Kobe Bryant. And then he even says, which makes me think there's something weird about the way he talks about stuff, where he goes, you know, Kobe Bryant, somebody I've worked with for 18 years. You'd be like, dude, everybody knows. Everybody yeah, knows. Slow down. Right. So then he goes, he loved Dark Knight. He's like, I got to meet Heath Ledger. He just locked into this role of the Joker. He's like, so I was able to set up a dinner. And then Kobe was able to take some of what he learned from Heath Ledger and how Heath got into the role of the Joker and then use some of that against the Knicks when they played. Okay. And then everybody went and figured None out. None of the, the dates figured. Right. Yeah. They, we they, did this on NBA desktop a year ago, but it was a big internet thing a year ago. There's a possibility that Kobe read a story about Heath Ledger's preparation for the role, did not see the movie yet but just wanted to meet Heath Ledger to talk about this. And they met and Palenka remembered the story wrong. I'm just giving him benefit of the doubt. Cause if it's not, cause if it's not that it's a weird, it's like a it, weird, like yeah. crazy lie. Like, have you ever had any friends growing up where you're like, Oh, this guy just is kind of a liar. Yeah. Like, he just wants to tell good stories, but they're, none of them are true. I'm like, all right. I worked with somebody once. We used to call him a serial white liar. It was never like a damaging lie, but it was always like a white lie. And I'd be like, what was the stakes for that? Yeah, what was the point? Yeah, like, why what was even the payoff? Tell a lie. Yeah. Under that. But yeah, so maybe Poinka is a serial white liar. That was weird. Uh, the weirdest things in that story were just the Rich Paul stuff and Rich Paul traveling in the charter and the fear with the coaching staff and the mistrust of that Rich Paul didn't want them to be the coach. There's this really funny story about um, Maverick Carter. LeBron's content guy having lunch with Adam Silver, Rich Paul, quote unquote, right at the next table or at a close table and comes by, which was clearly arranged. But there's a lot of like nuggets like that that I just was amused by. The stuff that never made any sense is like as they're sitting there signing all these guys and there's, it sounded like the sourcing of this were assistant coaches that aren't there anymore that felt like, okay, Magic said we'll be patient, and he turned on us after a three and five start. Yeah. Which was bullshit. Okay. Yeah. That was that was bad by Magic. You know, like three and five, like guys were hurt. It's all these new pieces. And you want me to have like a tight eight-man rotation, and you're the guys that went out and signed all these people. And then one of the assistant coaches says in the piece, he's like, you know, we're signing all these guys, we're not adding any shooters, and we're signing every basket case left in free agency like which is how we all left. felt in the moment right and it's like they're really actually doing this and then plink is like no we want to be we want to be like this we want to be able to you know to match magic up said that toughness. in summer league we want to be tougher yeah tougher playoffs about toughness yeah so now it's okay and shooting and some shooting yeah. and a couple shots turns out some shooting is good so then you have like clutch's presence around the facility and then I didn't know that LeBron still had buddies that he had like three. On the yeah, they're on the payroll for the Lakers. So that'd be around. like if I was related to nephew Kyle. Like that's fucking crazy. Word, shit is crazy. No, you're actually confident. <laughs> I don't. We don't know about those other guys. So it's weird that the three go from Cleveland to the Lakers. They're just part of the deal. It's not a salary cap violation. No, they're just they're going to be hired. Just Randy, his dude, since he was like twelve. Yeah, right. So then. What happens is, is even if those guys are doing a good job, all right, say they're bringing something to the table and it's not really a big deal and everybody thinking that it looks, it's just that the coaching staff goes, we know Rich wants us fired, so which means LeBron wants us fired. Right. And, and now, you and I had both heard forever. Right. So now we're being evaluated constantly by these guys that are aligned with LeBron and then Magic lights us up 
two weeks into the season. So that was the part I found least believable. I'm not saying it wasn't not true, but I worked with Magic for a year. I just never saw that side of him once. So there's two people in the piece that say that Magic basically was a bully. And one woman said she had to go to therapy and take- Had PTSD? Right, had to take There's a whole thing about Irvin versus Magic. And sometimes Magic was the guy everybody yeah. loved, but sometimes he was Irvin. It's like- So you, you I, like you said, you work with him. You never saw spent, him get We spent a lot of time together for like eight straight months that one season. I, I never saw that side to him once. I mean, I had times where I got mad at people <laughs> during, during that season. Just I know, like, I heard about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, sometimes things get fucked up. The rundown. Hey, you, don't like, to, you don't have to t- explain. You know, it and you're like, I, "What the fuck? What are yeah. we doing here?" You know, I never saw him do that. Could so I, I found I found it hard to believe he was like laying into people, but apparently he was. Yeah, could I offer up something though? Like, do you think the setting would be different when he's with guys that he respects? You know, you're a guy that's made it. You're there with Wilbon. You're yeah, on the you show. Still, he's he's can, still he's working for ESPN. It's not you like can the tell Lakers. by how somebody treats. Yeah, usually All types of usually people, people expose themselves. Yeah, at some point so. you're exposing yourself with right. a PA or yeah. like the person who brings the food or whatever. I just never saw it. I thought that was maybe he's changed. So I that was six years ago and I worked with him. That was mm-hmm. weird. Then the uh, the other thing, the I mean, Jeannie Buss was even seemed more removed than I thought she was. Just completely afraid to deal with anything and just kind of leaning on the rambuses as her conduit. That sounded awful. I mean, Jeannie Buss biggest... has come off horribly over the last year. Man, I feel like people have tricked us. I feel like there are people that have been writing about Jeannie and have known Jeannie and have told us how great she is and that she was going to come lady. to the rescue and she understands great business the business. Lady. And, you know, she was the one like, oh, finally, everything's good. Like, there's all these media people out here in LA that I'm reading. And I'm assuming, like, if all of you guys are telling me how great Jeannie is, like, that's all I have to go by. She seemed like and she then- was great at, uh, building relationships with people who write and talk about Because everybody vouched for her. Everybody vouched for her forever. And it's no different. It's no different with her versus Jim. Maybe people just like her better or she's she's nice. But the biggest takeaway, if I'm a Lakers fan, is that Plinkham might be a disaster. Yeah. And and now, and it's not just you sign guys and it's not working out. There's animosity around the league. Like what I picked up from some of the stuff that you talk to guys, it's just other teams are not going to do this team any favors. I don't know if that means agents, you know, agents all can go at it with each other, but is it so nasty with Palinka that certain agents are going to steer their clients away from this team? So I don't all, think it's just Palinka though. I think the Rich Paul shadow is looming too. I think it's both of those things. Yeah, because it starts turning into like if if Rich Paul and these guys like some of the stuff with Rich, it's like, what's the goal? Is the goal to put your guy, LeBron, in the best position to win? Or is the goal to show everybody like how much juice you guys have? Because, I I honestly think it's that. Because I think sometimes, well, it's not sometimes. This we was know. the battle in Cleveland. It's the Paul George thing all over again. It's yeah. like, can you commit to, like, if you are part of a team, there are some sacrifices, no matter how great, how powerful you are, where it's like, can we all be on the same page for some stuff? And it doesn't seem like that's always the case. And I, Palenka came off, like, I've tried to have an open mind about the Palenka thing and go, okay, look, he's had a, the, the non-traditional path to this, he's brought in, Magic's going to be this guy, Palinka's going to be this guy, but then Palinka goes and drafts somebody without telling any of the scouts. Like The scouts are watching the draft in a second room expecting that uh, Amari Spellman's going to be taken for Villanova. Like that's what they, they think the pick is in. And then on TV, they see that it's Mo Wagner. 
And then it's it, because Josh Hart made a comment. To him. I thought that was great too. I also loved this article had statements from Rich Paul. Yeah. And media strategist Adam Mendelson, who wasn't involved in the story at all, but somehow had a statement. That was really weird I, to me, I've too. never seen that ever in a sports story in my life. It's like, here's this other person who's not involved at all, but here's the statement. <laughs> he were, here's the person who LeBron has hired to help plan his, his media strategy. He's going to weigh in now. What? Yeah, it was almost it's like- so hey, weird. He's like, do you guys need a quote from me? <laughs> you guys want me to chime in? <laughs> I, uh, the whole thing is is a train wreck, and this leads me to my question, and then we'll end on this. What do they do? I don't I don't know how they get a free agent with the current regime. So if I were them, here's what I would do: I would fire Polinka, and I would just just tell Bob Myers like, name your price. Do you want fifteen million dollars a year? Done. How about? 15, how about 75 million for five years? How, what would it be worth to not have had this happen the last two years? It's got to be worth 75 million <laughs> at least. And then they get Bob Myers in. And then people go, okay, that's cool. He's competent. That guy's good. Smart move. Here we go. Yeah, you, you shouldn't have to pay 15 million for the GM, but you can argue that for the Lakers, it wipes away all of this bullshit immediately. Like, like that's New Orleans, the, that's, that's the fix. New Orleans right. did that with Griffin, who is so popular in the media right. that everybody calls him Griff. But he's also well-respected. I mean, Well-respected, super popular. And New Orleans is like Tom Benson's widow, Gail, running the team. Nobody has any idea. She knows anything about anything. And then she hires David Griffin. And people are like, oh, yeah, smart move. And now, now nobody's talking about Gail Benson anymore. Not at all. I mean, think about what that, over there. think about what that fix is worth. Was that like, worth fifty million dollars? Yeah, but that's that's the Pelicans. Now, I don't want to like have to give a fake Ravel valuation of something, but that's kind of what that is. But like, what would this be worth in good press to just go? Hey, Bob Myers is here. This Palinka thing's over, and let's let's. Well, let's if you're party. the Lakers, you you you've spent one hundred and forty million on LeBron. And then Randy and the other two guys are probably making like a combined ten million a year. <laughs> no, Randy's the true. director of player, whatever, pulling in five a year. <laughs> but whatever you're paying for that whole package, plus like all the chartered planes you're probably sneaking by and all the other stuff, you're probably in for like one fifty, I would say. I don't know where you're coming up with that. His are, buddies aren't making millions of I'm dollars. I'm just saying all in. Right. Dinners, courting. It's that you've spent at least one fifty on this. Sure, sure. And it's a four-year commitment to this guy, or three years, because he could leave in the fourth year. I would want at least something good to come out of it. So I just want a competent person. If it's not Bob Myers, who is it? I don't know. There's not that many people out there. I guess you could- So Olshay just got re-signed by Portland. Jerry West is 81. Uh, Phil Jackson would be mocked at more than anything else they've done. Phil Jackson would be the- And then him getting back together with Jeannie. That would be be the funniest. What if they win? Such a good ending. Kurt Rambis would get mocked. Who would play Phil Jackson in the Disney version? Michael Chiklis? <laughs> like somebody just a, a complete physical opposite. No, it'd be Jeff Goldblum, right? With a great wig on? Goldblum would be really good. Gawky and Phil Jackson-y? <laughs> Who would play LeBron himself? Never mind. Uh, 
That would be good. I love when they're like, well, LeBron, you know, he's filming Space Jam now. He's staying out of this. They're filming a movie. It's like, great. He the rest of the league is fired up. That That's happening. Hey, but there's somebody else we haven't heard from. Yeah. Palinka's guy. Oh, yeah. The Kobe thing. I've been waiting for the Kobe magic. You love. Lakers holy war. It's been my dream. somebody not talking, telling us everything. No one's a bigger fan of that than you are. You think this is. Plink is Kobe's guy, right? Yeah. Worked with him for 18 years. Um, I'm trying to think who my guy is. I guess I don't have a guy, but let's say it's Joe House. Joe House is under attack. There's just been this huge story. I'm just doing one tweet for Joe House or like one interview or something. I'm, I got Joe House's back if Joe House is under attack. Yeah, right. Where's Kobe? Where's he been? He's done interviews, right? Has he done some stuff recently? No. So that leads me to the last, last question. What if they hire Kobe to run the Lakers? With Palenka in the magic role. And then Kobe signs, never signs worse players to make sure LeBron <laughs> can't surpass him. <laughs> Kobe's, maybe Palenka sabotaging this all along. What a great script. Kobe. What a great script that would you be. You should write this. You're yeah. a writer. Kobe... Kobe becomes GM and makes sure he just does all sorts of weird trades. He or like Kobe a, put Polinka in there two years right, earlier to perfect. make sure this knowing yeah. this LeBron oh. thing's coming. Just when you yeah. thought you didn't have a figure, yeah, it's even more so. Polinka's like, calling Kobe. He's like, "Hey, guess what? I think we can sign Lance Stevenson." They're just laughing for three minutes. <laughs> like, hey, and check, we're gonna get you, hey, McGee. Call China and find out what Beasley's up to. <laughs> So there's like a quick China episode. It's not even an episode. You just a couple pages on China. Kobe calls Plinko. He's over. like, hey, that Zubac has potential. You got to get rid of him. Right. Call the Clippers. Interior. Jerry will take him. Interior. <laughs> Smoking Den. <laughs> Beijing. <laughs> Michael Beasley sits alone. Yeah. Nursing a soda water. Waiting to hear from his agent. With a cigarette. <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> from the outside comes in Rob Palenka. And he says, "Hi, I'm Rob. Word. It's Beasley's line. We've we've studied <laughs> we've studied your uh, your appearances on the twelve other teams in the league that you've played for. We think this might be the one. Do you want to come play for the Lakers? Word. Scene. <laughs> Hop on this plane with me and our pilot, Randy, LeBron's buddy." <laughs> Kobe. Oh man! Yeah, I know. I actually, I Kobe's think, like, wait a minute, Brook Lopez is how much? Three million? No, don't sign him. <laughs> Get rid of it. Yeah, tell him it's not him, it's us. Uh, I think they are by far the most dysfunctional franchise in the league now. I brought this up a couple weeks ago, whether it was them Suns versus Knicks. The Lakers clearly are the most. I mean, They're that, lapping everybody. That was like a nine thousand word piece today. All I can't that believe how it dysfunctional they are. I can't believe it doesn't stop, Bill. In two weeks, not even two weeks. We went from Magic going on first take, calling out Palinka by name, yeah. then segue into the actual presser that day for somehow the third choice, who should have been the first choice as head coach, and then Palinka's up there telling you it's the best experience of his life working with Magic, and then he just laughs it off, which I actually kind of admired a little bit. And then you're like, okay, well, now it's done. No. <laughs> took me half an hour to read that thing. I had given up on this Baxter Holmes piece even coming out. Right. We've been hearing about it for months. It was one of those things I started reading on my phone at seven in the morning and you start scrolling and scrolling and then you're like, oh shit, there's like a lot of scrolling left in this. Anyway, good job. Uh, 
Interesting piece. I will say the one red flag for me was there's a lot of disgruntled people out there that had a vested interest in that piece being written. So, right. you know, you always have to take that with a grain of salt because you have all the people that, you know, the Luke Wall and coaching staff side, you have all the disgruntled front office employees, people who were let go. You have other agents who can't stand Rich Paul. So put it this way, there's a lot of ways to go if you're looking for sources. Absolutely. I mean, there were, the way the sources were kind of, you know, they're anonymous and I don't have a problem like with that as much as other people do. Well, also he gave everybody a chance to talk and nobody except for Adam Mendelson came in with a big statement. <laughs> uh, that's all I got today. Yeah. All right. Well, this is fun. All right. Good see We'll you. do uh, next week at some point. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. Thanks to the zone. Don't forget to go to DAZN.com. Anthony Joshua fight is coming this week. It's going to, it's going to be a fun one. We are, he's got to take care of business and we're heading towards some big stuff coming up in the heavyweight division. Thanks to Simply Safe, easy to use protection, no contracts, fair prices, and they're from the city of champions, Boston. I like it because it's engineered to keep working during power outages or down Wi Fi. And also, they're from Boston. Go with the only home security I trust, Simply Safe, by going to simplysafe.com slash BS. Simply Safe for two eyes, simplysafe.com slash BS. Thanks as well to Home Depot, where you can get the best in home decor. Thousands of on-trend prices to help fill your space, plus in-store returns and free, flexible delivery. Shop homedepot.com slash decor and save up to 10% with code BSHOMEDEPOT. Valid on select items only online. Free delivery on select items, $45 or more. Visit homedepot.com for more information. We're back with one more pod later this week. Don't forget about the rewatchables feed. The hangover is on there. And uh, Rewatchables 1999 coming up. Austin Powers 2 later in the week. Until then.